Does the Black Moon howl? Only for those with an unwavering desire to hear the truth. Access granted. You have been selected for an opportunity. An orientation as a trusted associate, if you will, into the secured, contained, and protected files of the Foundation. SCP Unredacted distributes new files for review, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, on secure channels on YouTube, Spotify, and scp-unredacted.captivate.fm. Hello and welcome to the Skip Squad Pod trailer. I'm your host, T. Staffor. And I am your lovely other host, Look Psycho. Also, just wondering, how did you get my house? Who cares? We're recording the podcast trailer. Well, it's not the first time she's busted down my door. You gotta stop. Like, I can't afford to replace it again. Now, let's tell the listeners what we do here. Is it too meta to mention we're reading a script? You want to talk meta? I didn't know what to put here, so I'm talking about what I should put here. She also misspelled want. Anyway. Right, right. Back on track. Here at the Skip Squad Pod cast, we don't care about what you write, we care about what you love. Keeping you entertained with what our authors enjoy most as readers, from GOI formats to formal articles alike. We don't just talk about guest favorite SCPs. Each guest will also tell us about their passions and hobbies, completely unrelated to the Foundation. Whether it's robotics, music, or filmmaking, each guest has their own passions that we love to hear about as well. You, yes you, the listener, can participate in this along with us. If you send in emails over at skipsquadpod at gmail.com, we will read them out on the show. When we aren't recording the pod, we document our ventures on various platforms. You can find us on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Twitter where we post preview clips for upcoming episodes along with revealing who we will have on next. Our handle is at SkipSquadPod. And finally, our website with links to all the listening platforms can be found on the SCV Wiki itself at the Skip Squad Pod Hub. Now get out. And have fun. Smile. Hey there, SCP fans. My name is Grigory Carpin. And this is Simply Creative People, the show about SCP creatives, be they authors, artists, or off-site content creators like YouTube and TikTok. We're focused on bridging the gap between various fans and serving as an introduction to different concepts and stories on the wiki. So, many welcomes to all, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Simply Creative People. Uh, It's been a little while, but sorry about that. And we've renumbered things, so we used to have it as this would be episode 20, but it's actually going to be episode 19, uh, which will lead to many, many confusions when people go back and listen to old ones. Yay! hmm. Oh well. Yay! (laughs) Uh, My name is Grigori Carpin, I'm an author on the wiki, and joined as always... I am the Red Red Honorable Harry Blank. Excellent. So today we're doing something that I said we were never going to do and <laughs> said it uh, in a recording, which uh, I believe JTKC uh, had mentioned uh, and put that thing that we tweeted out and turned it into that funny That video. was so funny. Wow, was... I'm Gregory Carpin and I love the Chaos Insurgency. <laughs> it was really, really good. Um <laughs> I'll include a link in the show description for if, if anybody missed that. Yeah, it's go listen to that instead. Really it's, funny. It's... <laughs> uh, much so shorter. Today, yeah, it's much, it's much shorter right. than it's this is going to be. <laughs> um, so today we're going to be talking about the Chaos Insurgency. All uh, right, everybody's favorite group of interest. You know, a lot of people Reddit. do like them. Um, you know, full transparency, neither Harry nor I really like this GOI. Full transparency, virtually no author does. Yeah. Um, There's like five, maybe? 
Yeah, I mean, the meta is that, like, it just feels like a Saturday morning cartoon show villain uh, that barely gets, you know, there's almost nothing gets done with them other than they get dropped in to be, like, a foil for the Foundation, which a lot of the articles we're going to talk about today uh, play with that in really fun ways. Yeah. Um, So Harry decided that he would take this under his, uh, you know, uh, impetus and uh, to talk about articles that are good within that that goi so i i think that's a pretty good idea yeah see i i I thought the only real way to do this would be to try and find the ones that use it uniquely or differently or strangely or interestingly because anybody who uses the wiki for a long time will start to notice that we have these little navigation buttons at the bottom called tags or anything that's (laughs) anything that's meaningful enough to the wiki gets submitted to the tech team and goes can we have a tag for this and you go yes and then you can see every article that uses that thing and the chaos insurgency of course has a tag chaos insurgency and you click on it and see all i think something like 175 articles that use it right and i would go on the record right now since i just skimmed all 175 very quickly when i was making my decisions here i would say that approximately 20 percent of the chaos insurgency tagged articles should be tagged chaos insurgency and the other 80 percent are bullshit (laughs) to the point where if it was a new group of interest and you were submitting those tags and going should the chaos insurgency have a tag the tech team would say no these are not sufficient reason to tag these articles chaos insurgency because most of the tags on chaos insurgency articles are one of a couple of different options there the chaos insurgency attacked us and tried to steal this anomaly so that i could use it as a plot device in my article to show the anomaly's powers or we got this thing from stealing it back from the chaos insurgency or we did something plot related because of a chaos insurgency attack and they're one sentence lines and it's just thrown in there they're a plot device they're they're a plot device uh, a a structural element they're not even a character full group of interest at all in almost every appearance on the entirety of the scp wiki they are the most famous of all the groups of interest Far and away, everybody knows the Chaos Insurgency. People who don't know the GOC know the Chaos Insurgency, and they are also the worst group of interest, which is fantastic. The most popular, well-known, least good group of interest. (laughs) Yeah, and just to be clear, uh, we're not going to be talking about Ouroboros. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Ouroboros. Yeah, so which is obviously an example of pretty high level effort uh oh, yeah. to to utilize the chaos insurgency in a fairly interesting way i have my problems with those articles yeah but they don't but need our boost obviously <laughs> they don't need our boost and also you know everybody knows yes. that they are a good example if you talk about oh chaos insurgency is bad there's going to be someone in that conversation who's going to be like what about a robot yeah, everybody's like, read the oh, latest yes yeah, and you know i read that we all read that it's it's good of course it's good yeah uh, it's one of the highest rated well. articles with the tag for sure um, yeah, and um, also uh, also not talking about um, because actually I think you should just go read it because it's low rated and I thought it was interesting. Not everybody did, but I actually thought it was a fun action adventure sort of thing. Uh, the other big double O one proposal using it is Pogan's proposal, which is another interpretation of the chaos insurgency that tries to give them some motivation. Um, but we're not talking about the big articles here. We're mostly talking about articles that people haven't heard of. Right, which is you know oftentimes the goal on the show. Uh, although we will yeah. talk about popular things uh, 
here or there, especially when they are a really good example. You know, I mean, I feel like there's two goals to the show, honestly, is one is, is the article a good, you know, showcase for this concept? And B, is it like an under, you know, a unique or take on it? Or is it a, you know, just an interesting article? Um, it's why we did, when we did the KCON, uh, entries we we focused on ones that didn't win that maybe people hadn't heard of or you know in in a few cases i used the the planet of two artists which is pretty famous but whatever yes um so but before we get into that we thought we would talk about a a pretty good uh relevant creative corner because the last few episodes we haven't done that uh because we've been talking about other kind of different formats our creativity has been employed in other avenues lately God, yes. So uh, if anybody's listening, you know, in the coming months, this is being recorded the day after uh, the 7,000 contest closed. Congratulations, Harry, for winning. Thank you. Congratulations, Gregorian Vivarium, for 10th place out of more than 130 initial entries. Right. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, But and we actually are planning on doing an episode that kind of showcases some uh, 7K entries that were not as well known uh-huh. uh, because a lot of them really just didn't get a lot of attention and they should have there's some absolute um, tragedies there's some just terrific yeah. articles that didn't get as yeah. much attention as they deserved some that are yeah. that are, are, are criminally low in the ratings yeah absolutely um <clears throat> but for creative corner uh i thought we would talk about turning something that you think is bad into something good yeah uh whether that is something that we talked about a few episodes ago uh, actually, it might have been a long time ago, but uh, was Grant Morrison, which is a comic writer that we both hold in high esteem, and we're not alone in that. Um, yes. And his whole modus operandi, which is, let's take this cheesy thing from the 50s and turn it into a compelling story in modern day. Yeah, Grant Morrison's uh, canon approach is anything he's ever heard of or read is potentially canon if he finds a reason to, to ref- reference it somewhere. Yeah, my favorite thing from him is the best example of this, which is Seven Soldiers of Victory. Yeah. Um, which is just a fucking bizarre, you know, series of miniseries that overlap in brilliant ways and then reconnect at the end that are like all just the cheap, inspired by just the cheesiest of characters um, and kind of the, the, the dark crumbs, uh, the dark crevices of DC lore. Yeah. Uh, and he turned that into something brilliant. And I thought we would talk about that. You know, obviously our experiences with SCP, but, you know, we could come up with other examples as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the Grant Morrison thing is, is the best. He, he just repurposes these things that are already right. there and he finds, like, he treats them as a toolkit. What is useful for this? To the point where the other, I think, mo- most famous example of him doing this is Batman R.I.P., where he takes two storylines from the 60s that were some jackass doctor tried to screw with Batman's brain and Batman met a version of him from an alternate dimension who dresses like a lunatic and is crazy and he went, I can write a brand new Batman story like <laughs> like 40, 50 years later that completely recontextualizes Batman based on these two goofy-ass stories. And he did. Um, and I think that's a useful thing to be able to do when you're looking at a giant canon of literature, which comics obviously have decades to do yeah. this with but we we have 14,000 pages on this probably 15,000 right. now with this ridiculously long contest um, where we can look back at this stuff and go some of this we love some of it we don't but all of it is material to be used because that's the point of this collaborative fiction enterprise that we're engaged in is, is finding ways to uh, to make writing with each other valuable yeah to see like 
the interesting aspects of things um, that have maybe been underutilized or poorly utilized. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I would say that leading up to what we did with 6500 and, and what eventually became Vanguard, a lot of my thoughts that had been going into how I could redefine the chaos insurgency yeah. as a way to sort of frame the foundation in a different sort of light uh, went into that uh, in a lot of ways. Um, just because, you know, I, I think it's interesting to have an opposing force to the foundation. I don't think it's interesting how it's mostly been used. Um, yeah, and in fact, I, I think parts of the origin stories we'll be talking about later on today are actually very interesting as stories in their own right. And then, of course, they lead into, and then the Chaos Insurgency attacked and we beat them in like 500 articles, which is like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. It's I actually think it's very strange that it is so prevalent. And yet, other than a few of these articles trying to, you know, like the first one we're going to talk about was a real attempt to add more meat on the bones did a good job and it seems like very little people took it and ran with it which is too bad yeah i, um, I totally agree with that it's that there are efforts to make them have like an historical link to the foundation and give them a right, purpose yeah. and, and it just doesn't go anywhere um, but we'll, we'll get into that because we're we're getting away right. from our actual question here <laughs> um right. during the canon renaissance contest when we both did the resurrection canon um we didn't yeah. think it was bad but we didn't really vibe with a lot of what was going on um because it wasn't what we were wasn't how we were writing at the time although I might argue that Resurrection won that fight against us in the end because we ended up writing <laughs> an awful lot of Resurrection-like stuff and came around on it. And we'll continue. And we'll continue Don't to. Don't worry. Absolutely, we will. We'll get back to that. Um, but what I did when I was writing my stuff was I looked up all kinds of articles that were low-rated that I had <laughs> never even heard of before, and I employed them just scattershot. I, I read these articles, and I went, what's this thing like? What is this plus 40 article from Series 3 <laughs> like? And what is its use? And then I stuck it into this story because our our canon renaissance contest storyline was about site 19's inventory of anomalous shit being unleashed on the world and the more i read these articles that were underrated and hadn't really had any impact the more i thought all of these are interesting potential plot devices all of them are interesting potential plot devices and so is the chaos insurgency the problem is if it's used lazily it's just used lazily it doesn't doesn't make any impact on your story but if you look at them and you go how does what kind of a story could i tell with this story someone else already told what additional yeah, thing can i write exactly. with this you can make a big difference with that um and even my, my seven thousand contest entry was me going i don't really much care for the chaos insurgency but if i treated it seriously and honestly and went like all right the existing description as it appears on the hub is true how would I use that? And of course the answer ended up being make it fall on its face over and over and over and over again <laughs> until it ceases to exist. But still, um, as long as you come at it with a position of a bit of respect, as opposed to contempt, you can repurpose things you don't find particularly appealing into things that you do is just another creative exercise that sets your brain turning in, in different ways, which produces different stuff, which is always what we're trying to do. Yeah. Before we get, too far on a tangent i want to kind of address the whole resurrection thing because you know i think that canon is just for anyone that doesn't know resurrection was an idea to sort of go back to the roots of the original uh, articles kind of as very strong character focused researchers you know dr clef and bright and other and dr light who i love um yes and and 
the idea that was happening very early on, which I think was the MTF Omega seven or something, um, which was a bunch, which was a few anomalies and a few soldiers going on adventures. And it was all James Bond nonsense. Omega seven Pandora's box. Right. It's fun. And then it eventually stopped. And, uh, you know, people kind of got over that sort of writing and resurrection was an attempt to try and go back to that only in a serious way. I will say that a lot of the articles that are on that hub are feel like filler. Yeah, for sure. Um, They're filler arcs. But the core idea, like, I was so funny because, you know, both of our teams decided to do that. And we just kept going. We, we both decided over a weekend to read everything on the hub. Yeah. Uh, and there was, like, multiple conversations back and forth going like, <laughs> well, What's this one doing? Um, what was the point yeah, of this what, one? Why, why, why do we even... This one is this... <laughs> yeah. But... The core idea is fascinating because so often I find the idea that the foundation doesn't use anomalies to be ludicrous. Like, just, you know, I get why at the core idea, but the whole concept of it's just a bunch of scientists and soldiers holding on to a bunch of magic ship and never doing anything with it. It's like not nearly as interesting as, well, what if we did a little bit of stuff with it? Yeah, like if you uh, take a canon maximalist approach and you assume all these groups of interest exist at the same time, um, the foundation is 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 keeping them secret and knocking them down with just guns? Fuck off. Yeah. That's yeah. not happening. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, it just was... Even though I feel like the core resurrection story, unfortunately, never really got off the ground, uh, it did... Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff in there, especially by Moose. Absolutely, um, the Deadly Moose. And Light. And, uh, and Sophia Light, for sure. Yeah, and Cactus did a few things in there, too, that are really good. It, it, honestly, it's a really solid story that just kind of never got going, and so we decided, hey, we're going to take this and move with it, uh, maybe as sort of a side story. Just the same concept of, like, okay, where well, they're expanding this MTF teams with people that are uh, anomalous or things that are anomalous. Yeah, and we kind of ended up with our own version of of the canon yeah. that's that's part of our sort of super canon or yeah. i guess meta foundation but um but it was it was fun and it actually changed the way we, that we write because we have now written lots of big crazy crossover events which in retrospect we were looking at it originally going eh, i don't know about this but i mean we, I we both read all these dc comics and one of the things i always loved exactly. about it was the the extent of the universe the, just the fact that they all existed together the fact that they had history going back decades was one of the yeah. things I loved the most about it. So it's really not a surprise to just be able to do that with some of, even some of the stuff that we think is silly. Cause uh, talking about stuff that you've repurposed that you thought was bad. You didn't like Clef. And then you wrote all oh, I hated Clef. Clef and Varus yeah. stuff, which is just so much fun. Yeah. I gotta get back to that. Um, but yeah, Clef was definitely going to be my example. That is just such a character of a character that is just very two dimensional and kind of this. Oh, he's a bumpkin. He carries a shotgun and where and he wears Hawaiian shirts and he's a sexist and you know, it just doesn't make any sense with the way that I picture the foundation. And so, right. taking that and using it in Vanguard to be like, okay, let's just accept that this is true. That or that that's how people see him. And maybe there's more to it. And maybe he's playing up this character. Uh, and what can I use this character while still trying to stay a little bit true to the, the core concepts of it and turning him, you know, slowly but surely into a character with actual layers. Absolutely. Um, That's the way to do we've it. We've seen that a bunch of times. Uh, what was that one? Sins of My Father? 
Sense of the Father. Oh, was like a tale uh, series the, about the Deadly Vandal, kid. Uh, Deadly Vandal? Friendly Vandal. The Friendly Vandal uh, tale. The uh, Portraits of Your Father. Um, Portraits of Your Which father, is just this it. this racking, beautiful, emotional, artistic Incredible. narrative about, of all fucking things, um, the legacy of Dr. Kondracki. <laughs> it shouldn't be possible, but it just it treated right. it with respect and it reimagined it very interestingly. Um, and yeah, it's it makes a big difference when you just even if you don't like something, treat it with respect and imagine how you might repurpose it or how you might take it in a different direction or even take it in the same direction in your way. Yeah, I mean that was a lot of the impetus be- behind Vanguard in a lot of ways. Right was um let's take these things that we don't really like about the foundation I'm not saying there's anything wrong i'm gonna still write normal scps for sure I still do um but i also like this idea of like let's frame a setting where in which we can actually address the things the characters the storylines that we think are like this is either lame or like very you know 2008 <laughs> right um the thing that i did with uh lizard wizard which was uh of many choices which is kind of you know a play on scp 939's title uh of many voices which is a good art i'm not you know saying it's bad but it's just yeah. a murder monster and there's not really a lot of expansion to it and then using that as basically just the core uh mechanic for illustrating how vanguard and goc would handle you know a, a, a war of public opinion you know uh yeah stuff like that is it, it, we've got so much rich stuff on this i mean in a lot of ways it's what led me to want to write the daylight hub i love the core daylight things but like like the chaos insurgency the vast vast i would say 90 percent of articles that are tagged with daylight have nothing to do with the daylights and didn't expand on the lore at all and yeah. didn't try to use them in an interesting way and so if I was to make a hub in a traditional way, uh, it just would have led to like, okay, well, what does this have to do with the database? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> much the way the Chaos Insurgency hub, it looks. Because it's just like, well, which one of these is good? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so with the Daylight hub, other than trying to expand and concretize some of the lore, I also wanted to be like, here's a showcase. Here are these 15 to 20 articles to be added to, you know, as people write more or think that other things would fit, um, that, you know, really do shine as opposed to just a one sentence option where the Davites are, oh, they were spooky blood magic back in time. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think so frequently, even though a lot of my stuff on the wiki has been about doing my own stuff. Frequently, I found myself going back to it. If we hadn't done resurrection uh, and done this, you know, let's retask this, you know, at its core, very cool idea that maybe wasn't done in the way that we would like, uh, led, I think, in many ways to the way that we uh, did SCP 6500. It absolutely did. And it, it, it was such a natural thing. It felt so weird. Like, it, it felt like I was cheating or like some sort of guilty pleasure when I started writing those resurrection ones. I was like, this isn't what I do. And this, I, I'm drawing on the fact that I had read so many of the old articles, but it's, it was something I'd never tried to do before. Everything I wrote before that, everything I wrote before that was Site 43 in some way. And then I started writing those and I was like, fuck, this is kind of fun. Yeah. It's so, I mean, I created a couple of characters for it, but 
they draw on, you know, deep lore of the SCP yes. wiki, you know, sarcasm in the UIU and, uh, you know, and then we've taken some other later characters and adapted them. Yeah. You took Dr. Dan, <laughs> who, which is, you know, that's a great article. SCP-096 is fucking amazing. But, you know, the character really wasn't ever used again. No, nope, um, I, I stole Dr. Dan's author avatar yeah. and even got him a tag, and he's my character now. I've written him <laughs> oh, yeah. way more than Dr. Dan ever did. Shit, I have. So I've written you, yeah. Dr. Dan more than... <laughs> he wrote, uh, he wrote three articles in both of them, and they are 096, and it's two supplements. Which are great. Which are you great. Know, there's no, no shade. They're amazing. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think that whole experience... The idea of writing something that was just pulpy fun... Uh, to we wanted to tell a, we both both of our teams wanted to tell a complete story because the problem right. with resurrection was it seemed like one core story but it never really went anywhere and so yeah. both of our teams were like we need to have like a beginning and middle and end this needs to be like an episode or like a season of a TV show right uh, and a hundred percent if we hadn't done that uh, at least personally for myself if I hadn't done that then the stuff that we did for 6500 would not have come as naturally. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I had done a couple of tales before that. Um, but the, the, the using of like old stuff, like in my first path in 6500, I'm talking about totally new stuff to an extent. It's all based on mythology, but your second but one, the second one is all of this. It's the entire point yeah. of it was yeah. let's reframe the foundation using examples from not bad articles, but old fashioned articles. Um, and interesting articles that could then be looked at through this new lens that we've created. Of course, is you know exactly the point we're talking about. The conversely, in my two paths, the only things I used were already things that were fantastic. But yeah. I wouldn't have had that ability to use that stuff in that crossover way if I hadn't already experimented doing the resurrection stuff with stuff that I mostly hadn't read and didn't know anything about. Before we had done resurrection, if someone had said. Um, I'm going to write a tale in which uh, somebody from a site, uh, you know, a researcher or a security officer gets involved with the Wanderers Library, Alagada, and Corbinic. Uh, I think I would have been like, don't do that. Yeah, you're leaning on existing stuff. It's not going to move it forward. It's not going to improve it. What are you trying to do here? Just write your own story, you, you stupid jerk. <laughs> but... What's interesting is the experience with doing Resurrection and us both feeling much more comfortable in our writing skills and, and uh, characterization. Um, being able to say, well, actually, it's quite fun to do that. If that you use it as that's the point of it. This yeah. isn't about us gaining credibility. This is because we think it's interesting. And God, you know, there's nothing not interesting about those three scenarios. Yeah, exactly. The Wanderers Library, fucking Alagada, and of course, Corbinek, my beloved Corbinek. Yeah, if you, if you, enjoy the things and you know the things well and you feel that you can pull something off that's new with them there's no reason at all not to dip into that kind of stuff the stuff is all there just waiting to be used especially the series one stuff which is almost nothing but plot devices that are there for you to yeah. use for better stories <laughs> yeah uh you know i mean it's so funny because when i was doing crit so often i'd be like well it's because so often people wanted to include like really famous things yep um, here comes a 682 and everybody right, hates uh, yeah. this can kill it this can kill slashes is 682's best friend or <sighs> yeah and abel and is afraid of him and kane likes him and and uh, the little ipods at site 19 think he's just the best thing and he's allowed to <sighs> eat in the cafeteria whenever he wants. Yeah. um but 
outside but, of those things like, that we just see over and over again, there's all these wonderful resources that people could be doing. I mean, that's why I thought the project that Lizard Wizard was doing that I eventually joined on to help them uh, rewrite um, was just so fascinating. Let's take this murder monster and use it as an interesting plot device for a narrative, you know, serving our purposes. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, you can only it, really do this with tail series or very large SCPs. You do this in a small right. SCP where you lean on something else and you are very clearly leaning on it. But yeah, take that enthusiasm everybody seems to have for referencing things and do something unique with it as opposed to just shoring up what you already have. Because God knows, I mean, an article without a crosslink is fucking a waste. Right, exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on uh, nope. this before we Nope, I'm all out of creativity. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think closing notes about this is if you see something that you think is a little bit cheesy, look to see if maybe there's something in it. Uh, a, a different angle, a different... I mean, Pogan's proposal is a really good example of it. Uh, it's a really quite grounded and interesting uh origin story for the for the cast and certainty in a way that like hadn't really been done before yeah it gives them um, some motivations and it's also yeah. it's also got a sort of a tom clancy vibe going on with the military stuff which is all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of the good stuff that clef wrote for goc right exactly clef's the same way when he's writing it with the goc you can tell he's just really enjoying the uh, the technical porn of it uh, but we're here to talk about the Chaos Insurgency. So, Harry, what is yeah. the Chaos Insurgency? So, the Chaos Insurgency. Uh, it's one of the oldest groups of interest on the SCP Wiki. It is, in fact, so old that I don't know what the first article is, and not from lack of trying. You can search <laughs> the tags, and you can organize them by oldest to newest, and you will see an article that you will think is the first article that the Chaos Insurgency was used in, and you will find it was edited into that article later on. And if you scroll down further, you'll find a couple more of those, and then you'll eventually realize, shit, the Chaos Insurgency started on the original website that the wiki was hosted on, the Edit This wiki, as opposed to Wikidot, where we are now, and the articles moved over there to Wikidot in 2008 were moved over completely randomly scattershot in no order whatsoever, neither chronological nor numerical, and it is therefore impossible without days and days and days and days of pointless research to find out what the first Chaos Insurgency article was. But what the Chaos Insurgency is is pretty simple. They're the bad guys. They're <laughs> Cobra. And they're very rarely given much more depth than that. Cobra! <laughs> I God, fucking I love, love Cobra Commander. I <laughs> wish that I could do that screech right now, and I, I just don't feel like I'm capable of it without my voice cracking. I think you'll see a bit of Cobra Commander in, in how people characterize uh, the Chaos Insurgency, for sure. Just the screeching lunatics. Anyway, the main idea is always... They are in some fashion a splinter group of the SCP Foundation. Very, very, very rarely will you see anybody say otherwise from that basic point. Um, they're a secret organization that inexplicably remains secret, despite having no particular reason for staying secret. That's trying to fuck with the Foundation. They blow things up, they steal things, etc., etc. They've got agents of their own, they've got double agents up the wazoo, they've got their own secret bases... Uh, and they are generally just disrupting the normalcy uh, enforcing organizations um, of which the foundation is the premier, um, but also the GOC. And, the and why organizations. are they doing this? Who fucking knows? Nobody <laughs> fucking knows because there is no consensus on the chaos insurgency. 
Um, and even the name, I think, mitigates against anybody wanting to take them too seriously as an author because, like, the fucking chaos insurgency. Yeah. To, even if they had just been called the insurgency, I think, like, 60% of what's wrong would have been shed. But calling them the chaos insurgency means you're pretty much already starting to tell a joke as soon as they come <laughs> in. Um, but despite that, there have been interpretations that treat them with... Uh, a certain level of seriousness and there have been attempts to explain why it's called that uh, which is an unfortunate sort of element that comes in when you do collaborative writing is eventually you're going to have to justify a dumb decision that was made um, 14 years ago and the chaos insurgency's name is the dumb decision people are always having to justify and everybody's got their own explanation for why it's called that but the main thing you need to know about them which everybody already knows about them is they're the bad guys but there is no single interpretation there are two or three conflicting interpretations. There isn't even one single logo, which, which is particularly <laughs> right. funny. Uh, the, the Cactus Verse ones have that circle with the three lines through it. Which uh, is cool. Which is cool. Um, the Twisted Gears version that we'll talk about has the, uh, what I've it's called... Like a flower. A, called our, it's kind of, yeah, it's like a flower or a fan. Um, I've called them the Peppermint Insurgency. Uh, what else do I call it? I could, the Angry Daisy, I think, is my go-to name for it. Uh, it's a yeah. red dot with a concentric circles of, of... Not concentric circles, but like curved lines out towards a circle. It's, it's weird looking. And in addition to being weird looking, it has a bit of text around the edge. And the text around the edge is a quote from, of all fucking things, John Milton's Paradise Lost. Uh, which is, of course, the original fan fiction. Um, weird fever dream about the Bible that he wrote down and made into a story that's much more interesting than the Bible. Which yeah, is, I was going to say, which, it's way better. Which, of course, is, is no great uh, accomplishment on its own. Right. Um, but it yeah. is, it is in addition to being better than the Bible, also good. <laughs> uh, but the quotation that is around the uh, Chaos Insurgency's logo is slightly corrupted for reasons I don't understand and also made fun of in my seven con entry um, it's should intermittent vengeance arm again his red right hand to plague us which is part of a quotation from um, a fallen angel talking to the big boss fallen angel the devil Lucifer uh, trying to go like don't piss off God too much because we don't want to have a war with him the full verse which is fairly short is him speculating about what will happen if you piss God off too much and he goes what if the breath that kindled those grim fires awaked should blow them into sevenfold rage and plunge us in the flames? Or from above, should intermittent vengeance arm again his red right hand to plague us? In other words, don't overtly fuck this guy over. He can totally stomp us. Um, and I'm not sure if the reasoning behind using it is that the Chaos Insurgency is an insurgency. They are insidious. They are doing things on the down low. They are screwing around with the Foundation in a way that the Foundation can't immediately respond to. But I like to think that was probably what they were going for. Uh, the red right hand kind comes of, up again as well quite a lot. Right, yeah. Go on. It's kind of ironic, though, because that, that quote, that verse, is sort of counterintuitive. I mean, because... Yes. Because aren't they trying to fuck with the foundation overtly? Yeah, it's a really weird um, choice. It's like, why is your motto? Yeah. Why does your motto appear to be counseling against your course of action? 
10 to 1, it just, they were like, oh, it sounds cool. I'm pretty sure they, they were thinking it sounds cool, which would also explain why intermitted became intermittent, which is just, uh, uh, <laughs> I, if that's anything but a typo, I'll, I'll eat my hat. I don't have a hat, so that's a fairly safe bet. Big head. <laughs> Very big head. No hats fit. <laughs> um, and, and the red right hand thing also plays into what I think is something that's been underplayed that I find kind of fun and I think I would like to write something about it sometime um, 05 commands uh, bodyguards slash um, wet ops team is MTF uh, what is it alpha, alpha one, one. Um, yeah. red right hand uh, and the, I think the implication appear, uh, appears to be because one of the explanations for the insurgency is they were a group called the red right hand that went rogue which we'll explain in a bit the implication to me seems to be that once they did that, the O5s just replaced them with a new red right hand. And I feel like they must constantly be looking at those guys going, are you going to pull some shit now? Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a shit job to have. Like the people who had your job already, already turned into Saturday morning cartoon villains. I imagine working directly for the O5s yeah. <laughs> and doing their wet work is probably not a great career you know yeah it's uh, probably not for you. you're either gonna die painfully or you're doing some shady shit <laughs> which is probably a or good both. segue into the the different explanations of what the chaos and right yeah. is. so so we've organized these well uh, you you organize these uh by sort of uh subtopic uh and this first one is the origins um, yeah and this article is briefing on slate thunder uh, and in parentheses, Chaos Insurgency Orientation. So it's one of those classic orientation tales by Hornby. Uh, and it was put up, I believe, October 2012. Mm-hmm. So it's a relatively early one. Although, um, as we'll see, the, 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 the current hub, which is a different interpretation, wasn't was, it was only a few more years later. Um, but this was an attempt by Hornby to take what had been written and go like, roughly, what do we think the Chaos Insurgency is? And then go like full Tom Clancy slash full alt history on it, where it just came up with this long, detailed explanation of exactly how the Chaos Insurgency came to be. Um, and as we talked about with uh, the UIU, with Green Wolf, where it got that lovely bit where he goes, you know the version of the UIU, everybody knows where they're incompetent boobs? Well, that is to hide the real version, which is super cool and competent. Well, this is very similar. <clears throat> because this version says, the official party line is that there's a group of agents who steal a bunch of stuff in 1924, places it in 1924, which makes a certain sense because this has to be so far along in the past that people can legitimately be lied about what happened and believe it. Right. Uh, in 1924, they fucked off with a whole bunch of useful SCPs and they just went to use them against us. Just a couple guys. Just, you know, a little bit of a splinter. And that's the version that everybody gets to know when they join the Foundation. The insurgency did this. That sucks. And then what the article goes on to say is, well, actually, there was a splinter in the foundation. We had an actual civil war between the loyalists and what is called the triad, because they had three bosses, um, where for two years the foundation tore itself apart, and the insurgency is the remnants of that having torn itself apart. And it goes into great detail about who these people were and what they did and why they wanted to do it, and it mostly boiled down to... We should be using these anomalies to change the world, not just sitting on them like a fucking dragon. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and they get stomped. They get quite thoroughly stomped eventually after fucking up a lot of stuff. And then they uh, they rise up again because people who still work for the Foundation start thinking that maybe the insurgents had the right idea. 
Uh, and so the insurgency still exists. Um, but this article is, is actually, I really enjoy it just because of the, the intense history details going into it where he explains the dates of the battles and the people who were involved and it's it's a really yeah. detailed version of like why would this happen and and how <clears throat> yeah it's it's really interesting i liked how the setup works which is this fairly casual toned top secret uh clearance sort of seminar or you know um briefing uh you know and in in, in people cannot uh take the the materials out of the room and don't you take notes and yes. whatever and then it segues into the actual document so it, what's interesting is that the majority of the article is actually these packets that these people are here to read um and that's where all these details you you're talking about are um the thing that i really really i mean a it's very well written it is um, uh and an and, and interesting, um, if a little bit, uh, you know, light on actual building up of, of uh, motivation. Oh, yeah. But it's really interesting in the fact that, like, it all kind of starts with this manifesto. Before there's ever the Civil War, somebody within the Foundation, who only signs himself a thinker, <laughs> uh, or themselves. Just asking thinker, questions. Uh, <laughs> just asking questions, right. Uh, writes a new manifesto addressed to the members of the Foundation in May of t 1924. Uh, and it's this, you know, short essay that is included in this packet, you know, which is all tabs in the article. And we're not going to just read it all because it's long enough that, you know, uh, be poor radio, I think. But... Uh, it's really, really interesting. Like, it's just well-written, and it feels like an actual document that has been used as a manifesto. It has these flourishes that you would mm -hmm. expect to see, where it's not just an intellectual paper. There's a purpose, a political purpose to this paper to, you know, cause waves. Um, and that, that is what inspires this schism. 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 Uh, and I find that really fascinating because it's not really ever, I believe, it's not really ever clearly stated who it is that wrote this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it just one, kind of the, of one of the originals, I would imagine, but it's never clearly explained, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, Did you have a part of it that you would read? Because I have a part of it that I would read. <laughs> go for it. <clears throat> um, I've actually curated, so you can imagine there's an ellipsis somewhere in here, uh, but I'm not going to tell you where it is. I'm just going to quote. So here I am reading a manifesto from a terrorist organization, which is surely a good thing to do on the internet. <clears throat> a fictional terrorist. <laughs> fictional, yes. History has cyclical inertia. Unless an outside force brings the conflict to a stop, humanity will be its own undoing. The Foundation, an organization which has stared into the abyss and spat in the face of abominations ancient and eldritch, must save mankind from its greatest enemy, itself. We must be, and this is capitalized, the vanguard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Secret origin that we did not intend. <clears throat> Holding the torch of illumination and leading the masses forward. We, mankind, and the Foundation will face the challenges and succeed, because to do anything else would be inhuman. The Foundation shall watch the dark places, and it is our right and our duty to illuminate them for society, so that mankind may enjoy the riches without fearing the threats. We shall not only secure and contain the absurd and the dangerous, but we shall master their secrets and transform them into tools and technology. We, the Foundation and mankind, not only can do this, but must if we are to survive. 
and not just survive, but better ourselves and flourish, that humanity can reclaim its rightful place as master over nature and extraordinary. Who could argue uh, still, with that? I'm still pretty imperialist. <laughs> oh yeah, of course it is. It's immensely imperialist. I mean, these are the bad guys preparing to become the bad guys. Uh, there's also a second one, which I just have one line from, um, which is also really good. Just the last line is, we shall be agents of chaos, setting the world on fire, not to watch it burn, but to exhaust the fire brigade, which That's I like. Good. That's a good bit. Yeah. Yeah, I really like um, the lead up to this schism that is basically uh, reflecting on the horrors of World War One. that so many members of the Foundation had been called away to fight in the conflict and came back. Yes. You know, uh, uh, obviously, if you survived World War One and came back, you would be coming back a changed person. Any war, but especially World War One, would come back as a changed person and see just the sh- the horror of of everyday humanity, uh, of imperialist warfare, making people reexamine the point of keeping anomalies from the public. And that's a really interesting ter- interpretation to create to use a, a very significant real world event. Um, and have it impact the foundation as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. Because uh, this... so many stories, so many stories are like, oh, well, actually, this thing was actually the foundation. Do. Yeah, exactly. This one is, is, is um, possibly one of the best examples of that I've seen on the SCP Wiki because it's actually, it, it's spot on, bang on, absolutely perfect because the First World War's main effect, other than the millions of people it killed, was to permanently right. shatter the original idea of the perfect authority of of the progress of mankind and governments and society and to make people question the stability of human civilization in a big way well the first world war caused modernism to 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 start to fall apart the second world war obliterated it but this is where we start to move into a deconstruction of the way things work and reconsider whether or not the things we've always held to be self-evident really are um and and whether or not we've been behaving according to our ideals or just bullshitting our way through and causing the first world war to make them think that within the foundation makes perfect sense they're deconstructing the foundation they end up right. making something worse um but I mean, there was a second world war after the first, so it's not really a surprise. Right. Yeah, it, it's actually like super relatable um, because these uh, these you know optimists and idealists come back having you know had their worldview shattered, um, and it even affects the O fives because I love that the idea that there are two O fives that say no, yes. they're right. Uh, and they support the rebels to the point where like it actually is like a civil war it's not just a bunch of guerrilla fighters it's like some of the sites go uh, dark and and you know dark quote unquote uh you know separate themselves from the foundation and we've got like actual armed conflict yeah. along these two ideological lines because of what people saw in world war one which is you know fascinating yeah they, um, they call the alternative uh, the, the 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 proto-insurgency the triad they've got three leaders one of them is 059 just goes you know what fuck this (laughs) yeah which is fascinating um you know and uh, what i think is really interesting about this and i think it's probably because it was constrained by what had come before we have to ultimately turn these guys into the bad guys um but what this does is utilize this uh very shallow bad guy persona of the chaos insurgency to show how like the best intentions uh and idealism 
can lead to revolutions that just create worse things, you know? Um, and I, I think that this article is like a little too long and a little too dry, but could use a bit of pruning and a little bit of tidying, but overall, but you know, the attempt to ground the, the chaos insurgency in not only real history, but like realism, not realism about like the anomalous, but realism in the sense of like, how do people react to a changing world? Mm -hmm. Um, and it makes them feel like real. I'm really sad that this didn't catch on and that people didn't use this to then build, um, I don't want to say a rival organization. It's just that like, you see this and as a serious attempt by Hornby to add meat to the bones. Um, and you know, it's, it's pretty, it's, I mean, it's 264 for a tale. That's pretty good, but, it is, but... but like, it just feels like it didn't. I don't know, you know, maybe it did have an impact for a while, but eventually it's just kind of overwritten uh, to this, like, more cartoony thing. Yeah, people um, just go that, back to writing them as the guys who show up to blow yeah. the thing up, and then, uh, come on, like, the the bedrock here was so promising, and the fact it doesn't get carried forward is sad, really. Yeah, and then also, like, I think the worst part about it is reading this 10 years later and being inspired by it and thinking, <laughs> oh, maybe we could. But there's just been so much damage done since then, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. That I just, nah, I'm not touching this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but reading this, I just kept thinking like, oh, God, this is so compelling. Yeah, I felt kind of uh, bad reading it because, I, of course, I, yeah. I read this after in my personal canon, having almost permanently fried the chaos insurgency like they are done at the end of scp 7000 um and they're going to get folded into some other groups that i have in mind um in on guard 43 but reading it i'm like man they do sound kind of interesting as as an organization when you look at this and then it just didn't get carried forward which happens there's a lot of articles but you'd think the chaos insurgency orientation would have had more effect than that sad yeah, another line from this manifesto that really comes is, The world called this the Great War, the war to end all wars. But how can war be great? And why should so warlike a creature as man be so inclined as to cease merrily butchering his fellows? How soon will come the next war after the war that was supposed to end all wars? It's just so fucking well written. Yeah, it, it reads like a manifesto from the period it claims to be from. Had yeah, and it could have been... It could have been this incredibly cheesy thing uh you know it could have read like uh like something that cobra commander wrote and instead it reads as this really compelling you can see why somebody who read this who was disenfranchised and disillusioned with the foundation and with all of the world because they had gone through the great war um reading this document and going like yeah okay this is something to latch on to this is a real a, a true a better dream now yeah so if anybody wants and then to it just, use this, please, please And then do. it just turns into people saying, hey, uh, the chaos insurgency takes over third world governments and, you know, uses the population like D-class. And it's just like, oh, God. Yeah, and they uh, they infiltrate the governments to keep the countries in the third world so they can keep having access to Whoa. guns and ammo and D-class. And, and it's Which just such a clear attempt. But it's, yeah, it is in this article. Because he's, he's um, hearing everything that's been said so far and then right, adding yeah. to it. Um, and it just smacks of like, well, we still got to make the foundation look like the good guys. So what, how, you know, we let's face it. If we were really focused in on the foundation, they are not quote unquote the good guys. But if we want to portray them as such, we got to make these guys cartoonishly evil. Yeah, because uh, we've got the bat. So. We've got we've got the like supposedly potentially well intentioned 
fascists, which is the SCP Foundation. Yeah, and then yeah. we've got the apparently ill-intentioned um, freedom fighters, which is the Chaos Insurgents. Like, wow, this is an awkward dichotomy we've set up here. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the, the way that they're written, they're fascists too. I mean, they're taking over governments. And... Yep. Anyway. Well. Anyway, but this it's real sad that this article didn't get uh, more... Uh, it got plenty of attention, obviously, but like, it didn't really inspire a new wave of, you know, because I, I could have imagined that this would have turned into the the point where somebody started, to, like the way that GW uh, yeah. and others have have redefined the UIU, and it just didn't. So. Yeah, it's a shame. I but, could, I could almost see myself do, wanting to do that myself. Just like I almost kind of want to write about this version. This this sounds fun. Unfortunately, the version yeah. that I've written about is the next version that we're gonna talk about. <laughs> Right, which is the Chaos Insurgency Hub by Twisted Gears, a wonderful author. Twisted um, Gears is amazing, an excellent author, yeah. written all kinds of great articles. So, what comes next will have no reflection on Twisted Gears as an author. Yes, yeah, um, just you know, I don't think they're listening. But like, in case any of the listeners think we have the greatest respect for Twisted Absolutely. Gears, um, and from everything I've yeah, heard from the people is... who were talking to Twisted Gears at the time when they were active, um, they have nothing but nice things to say about them as a human yeah. being and an author. So, uh, but and there is nothing inherently bad about this version of the Chaos Insurgency. It's just that it also fails to redefine them into something anybody wants to write. Yeah, it wipes the slate from this orientation tale to redefine them, and then just kind of fails to like do so for a reason. Um, it just yeah. is a different origin, really. Um, yeah, it, but yeah, this is, it's like many hubs, there's kind of a, a bunch of lore uh, on it. Um, but go ahead. Yeah. It, this it, is your show. It, it, this, is, this is my show. Yeah. yeah right. I'm the one who made you do this. So yeah. Uh, it, That's right. It does lead in with the like, yeah, it was 1924 and there was a split. It, it does pay a bit of homage to that original version. Um, mm -hmm. And then it ends up with the insurgency in the present day being very very different and this is the version where you'll see people who have read the hub are writing this version of the insurgency and it's a very weird one um so the difference between that version of the insurgency and this version of the insurgency is that this version has access to a bizarre machine that is apparently capable of some sort of um prediction of, of real world events called the engine and it telepathically communicates to the leader of the chaos insurgency the engineer uh the information they require to execute their master plan and the engineer then writes down the steps required to make the master plan uh happen and uh sends those steps with absolutely zero context to whoever is most likely to, at the time to be able to execute them, meaning nobody in the Chaos Insurgency other than the Engineer ever has any fucking idea right. why they're doing what they're doing. Um, you'll just get something that goes, here's your orders. Step six of 528 for this month is for you to go push this button. And they'll be like, well, fuck, okay. <laughs> they'll go and they'll push that button. They'll go, I did my <laughs> part. Uh, as it sets up the organization there's alpha beta gamma class people delta command is in charge of the uh in charge of the insurgency and they've got access to the engine but only the engineer can talk to the engine and the engineer gets the engine's plans and transcribe them and the engineer is the mouthpiece for the engine um and this i think in a lot of ways feeds into the version of the chaos insurgency that um was used in aurora boros yeah uh and, you know, has the thing like Delta Command, which is their version of the O5s. 
Um, the one thing I wanted to call out from this hunt that I think is really, really fucking cool and just probably wasn't utilized that great uh, is this quote. In reality, the O5 Council had created the insurgency to complete missions with ethically questionable methods yes. and politically unsavory results while keeping the Foundation's public reputation clean. For approximately 24 years, the insurgency operated under the guise of the Foundation defectors, using anomalous objects to secretly further the goals of the O5 Council. And I really think that's a cool interpretation. It's like a, um, you know, it's a straw man for the foundation's uh, yeah. darker things. Yeah. But ultimately, the problem I have with it is it, it seems informed by an idea that the foundation would care about his reputation, uh, and I don't know that they do. <laughs> that is a little um, weird. Yeah. And which also, um, I don't know how much I buy into it because. It's from the POV of the O5s, you know, and it's like, is this a double blind? Yeah. You know? Um, and I, I think, that, and this is not a problem with the quality of writing here, but the concept. No. The biggest problem I have is that it seemingly just makes them a shadow version of the Foundation. I mean, they've, they've got, like you said, they have, Al they have yeah. Alpha, which is the equivalent of D-Class, and they've got the Delta uh, Command instead of O5 Command. And they've got, you know, and it's just, and it just, only they're, you know, they've got these step configurations, obviously, but it's just kind of like, it's just, they're just the bed. You, you took the thing, you wiped the slate clean, and you told this interesting origin, which is pretty cool. And then you were like, oh, well, they were the fake uh, Chaos Insurgency because we were using it for that way. And the, what they did was eventually they just decided to do that for real. Yeah, and uh, and that is, that is the main thing that this article is, is bringing up is is the they were the red right hand that turned on the master, right. um, and that is part of pretty much everybody's headcanon for the chaos insurgency. Whether they read the previous right. one or not, is that they were the red right hand, which is why that appears in their slogan, um, and and so on and so forth. Um, that's the main thing this article sticks in there, uh, which isn't in the Hornby piece, and then it suddenly just shifts without the clutch over to the engineer and the engine stuff which doesn't seem to totally match that at all yeah. it's like where did that come yeah, from it starts from this space <laughs> incredibly grounded just the same way the hornby stuff does this concept of like political intrigue and it's a it's all a straw man and they're they're like a shell company for the foundation to do their wet work uh and then there's a magic engine <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, where the hell did that come from and i think the version that i imagine is the one in my head is pretty much both of these at the same time and where they don't interact properly i don't care uh, some blurry version of these two hubs put together because i have ended up using the chaos insurgency as they are on the hub and it's too late to back up now plus i had so much fun smearing pie in their face in, in 7000 uh I, I personally had canon the next thing we're going to talk about um but yeah oh yeah, uh, yeah absolutely I'm, I'm sure everybody will once they hear it um but the, the thing about but this before one before that is, yeah uh it generates the Chaos Insurgencies GOI format. Um, and my god, I can just feel myself getting exhausted. <laughs> the Chaos Insurgencies GOI formats have been written by some people who are very talented, and they've done some cool stuff with them. And I think one yeah. of them is in this list, right? Did I add one? Or did I not? I might have actually just not included I any of them. So. I can't remember. No. I don't no. think so. There was one I was going to that was pretty well written, and se several of them are. There aren't very many Chaos Insurgency GOI formats, and the reason is they're not any fun to read. Uh, the Chaos Insurgency GOI format is a step compilation. It's the steps that the engineer is passing on from the engine, and we, we read the steps. And they're written in Milton-speak in, in a lot of cases. They're written in a very heightened tone, and they're very dramatic in the openings, and that's cool. 
The openings to the step compilations are always cool. Hereafter, we have Delta Command, blah, 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 and the Chaos Insurgency. They're, they're usually very florid descriptions of what's coming. And then you see a list of the steps that will be taken by the various insurgents and what they expect to achieve from it. And it's it's kind of the most boring format that there is available to write for on the SCP wiki. It I think the problem is it's never used it. as a stepping off point yeah. for a narrative. It's just this fairly... I mean, <laughs> the biggest problem for me personally is that it has this grounded thing at its center and then it just goes into the most like you said it's florid it's very high concept like not even high concept but like it's just very navel gazy uh you know the, the quotation around the logo is very navel gazy yeah. <laughs> actually i I'm, I'm reinterpreting that quotation to maybe think that they're the red right hand and that the foundation shouldn't be pissing them off yeah, it's possible. Whether they think they're in the service of a higher power, perhaps. I mean, that yeah. would explain where uh, they think the engine. Their, their instructions are coming from. Yeah, there you go. We figured it out, guys. It makes them, like... The agents of God. Just incredibly shallow. Like, there's just... They don't even have motivations. They don't need them. They are just doing this thing because the engine tells them to. It's a little weird, though, if, if they're the agents of God, if they're the red right hand, because... I, I was doing terrible shit. I okay. would find it almost impossible to imagine that that quotation was not included for the reason of they were the angels that were thrown out of heaven. Like that has to be what they think of themselves as. That's why that was included, right? But then it, it's a mixed. It's like fifteen times mixed metaphor. It's so weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just to make you think about these things, or maybe they want all these alternate interpretations because they're the chaos insurgency. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the chaos. I mean, you want to know how I got this motto? God, it's not yeah, my fault. Just, I heard somebody just... else making a fucking Joker joke the other day. No, no, funny. it's just fucking Joker. It's just the the way the Joker is turned into an internet meme. That's what the chaos. That's the chaos. Is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Because it could be a grounded, interesting narrative, and it is in a couple places. Obviously, well, it's not grounded in the Ouroboros, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, but it it doesn't do that. Instead, it just takes that and kind of throws it away. Yeah. And then immediately turns into this thing where it's the Saturday morning cartoon show villains well, again. Well, speaking of throwing it away and turning it into the Saturday morning yeah. cartoons, let's get to our last origin so we can get this party started. This one's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. So what is it, Gregory? You're the one with the list of people uh, you've been reading it? Yeah, it's the glorious and everlasting victory of Pablo Foxenflower over the traitor Lazarus Worm by Bettings. <laughs> and this was in uh, July of 2017. And uh, the previous um, hub was in 2014, so we're moving forward right. in time. It's exactly, it's almost exactly three years later this, yep. this tale gets written. Um, this is criminally underrated. It is, it's way underrated. and, and It's, it's under par 50. Partially my fault, actually, because I don't know what the hell happened. Um, I'm assuming I read it while I was doing the collections initiative for staff. Um, collecting all the tales um, but when I went to upvote it it said you've already downvoted this what I did what <laughs> the hell is wrong with me <laughs> so that might be partially my fault um, but it must have been a misclick it's the only thing I can think of um, sure. because this is a lot of fun um, the premise of this is of course there's some schmuck who works in an office who made up the chaos insurgency as the internal PR explanation for any time something goes wrong <laughs> Yeah, that there's other people in the cover-up office or whatever. They don't actually name them, but they're clearly uh, the people that make up cover stories for when a found, when a site goes bad or whatever. So, for internal morale purposes, uh, they make up these cover stories. And this person yeah. has made up. What, what is it? 
There are 32,084 <laughs> members of the Chaos Insurgency, and I created them all with nothing more than an evil name generator and an overabundance of military jargon that armchair generals pleasure themselves to. They spend their time trying to quote-unquote take over the world for unspecified reasons and occasionally massacring a foundation site that's getting a bit too close to insubordination or that is manned by morons that can't keep a lid on anomalies. Sometimes the GOC or some other group finds themselves victim of this mysterious organization, and occasionally they topple governments. A very busy organization, the Chaos Insurgency, is especially one made up of nothing personnel. Literally, because this person has literally made them all up. You know what's really amazing about this is I've got my word my notepad document open right now where I've got the quotes for things that I wanted to read and I didn't share this with Grigori ahead of time. That was the quote I was going to read. You started <laughs> and ended exactly where I started and ended. It's such a good paragraph. It's, it's just, just so... It's I mean, the whole thing, it's a very short tale. Um, it's just brilliant and I 100% headcan this. Now, not like I'm actually going to write it, but like it's just so funny because why are they so cartoonish? Why are they so shallow? Why are they utilized so poorly? Why are they just the punchline? Not even the punchline, but like just the, oh, well, and then we got attacked by the chaos insurgency, so we had to do this. Well, because something else happened and the foundation doesn't want people to know. That's because it's nonsense. This is the only explanation for their name that makes sense. Some fucking guy who was bored had to create something stupid. (laughs) Evil name generator? Lazarus worm. Lazarus worm. Because really the reason is it was some somebody it was probably someone anonymous i bet you if we find the article that the chaos insurgency originates from we won't even know who wrote it probably yeah and it was in 2008 and it was somebody just making something up um which is what people did and they were just starting out and we've been stuck with that name ever since and this is i think the best thing anybody's done with that name is just go yeah somebody sitting around uh made it up <laughs> There's even a tale on the, yeah. on the site called Chaos Insurgency is a Stupid Name. I think it's actually a brief tale series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's really it's so fucking effective for something that's like a thousand words, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's probably like 700 words. And it's just like this perfect, like, I, I'm surprised no one did this before. Yeah, it's a good it's art. Just such, it's one of those things where you go and you go, oh, and you slap your forehead. It's so fucking good. It's perfect. Uh, but yeah, it's really, really fun. And I enjoy it a lot. Same here. So those are our but, those yeah. are our three uh, our multiple choice origin story options. <laughs> yeah, and this is the one that should be. So everyone listening should go and read this. This is the one that should be the winner. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're gonna talk yeah. about in spite uh, a of couple that, articles. We're gonna now go on where? and pretend that the chaos insurgency exists. Yes, and is these are good. You, you noted serious uses. So like yes. taking them. As literally the chaos insurgency. I want to very, very, Um, very briefly explicate my methodology here. I didn't include stuff that was from long tail series or even tail series like at all that were going on more than a couple of tails because I didn't want to talk about something right in the middle of a tail series. So that kind of stuff I didn't do. And if your article doesn't show up here, it's not because I thought you did a boring job with the chaos insurgency. These are just the ones that I could use to pick at a specific point. Um, and I cut a few that I really liked because I realized, which Gregory's probably realized every time we've done one of these, it's really easy to write, to pick way too many articles to actually talk yeah, about. Yeah, we've, we've done it a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, so we're going to try um, to be focused here. Um, we've got good series uses first, and there's two articles. Yeah. Yeah, and the first one is SCP-2490, Chaos Insurgency Special Operative Alpha 19 by a random day. Yeah, so I'll just describe it using its own description because it's a fairly clear description 
SCB-2490 refers to a modified human being, believed to be Chaos Insurgency Special Operative Alpha-19, which would explain the series list title, that has stalked at least Black Box Foundation employees since 19 Black Box. The SCP's head is composed of a single oblong beige capsule on which two eyes have been painted, and no other facial features are present. Its body consists of multiple white-jointed segments. 2490 possesses claws that appear to be grafted to its hand pods. Based on target testimony, however, most observers perceive it as an ordinary human being. So it's an assassin that follows people around, Foundation people, um, and behaves fucking bizarrely the whole time it's following them around and eventually causes them to die. And it looks fucking weird and it's inexplicable, but they know it's from the chaos insurgency and that's kind of all they know. And then, I mean, and it, it's got a very cool monster, murder monster kind of vibe, um, but in an interesting way. Um, but then we see it from like two different perspectives as well. And I have to say, at the end of this, I didn't really understand what happened in this article. Wow, because what happens at the end of this article is we find out that our supposition that this article that I included for our Chaos Insurgency episode might not actually be from the Chaos Insurgency it turns out, apparently, this monster is some sort of organizational STD that everybody's been passing around to each other. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been pissing off multiple different groups, uh, which is kind of a, a fun thing to uh, to encounter in the article. Most of the reason I included this is because I actually just really like the descriptions of the monster, and I was just including it because it's, it's a fun stuff. fucking thing. Um, in fact, I, I've got a, a quote, because it, it latches onto one, one, um, one dude, Dr. Feldman. And he explains gradually as it gets closer and closer and closer and closer to him. One night, see, I'm brushing my teeth. I was on edge, but I hadn't seen it in a few days. Then, as I'm staring into the mirror, I see it. It's head just rising out of the bathtub. There's not even enough room to lie down in that tub, but this thing was rising out of that bathtub like it was growing. Two beady little eyes on a fat beige pill of a head. Sounds like me. I whipped around, and there was nothing there except a thumping sound, like somebody walked out of that bathroom. So I went out and bought an axe. Next day, I'm working on a project report, and I hear a buzzing noise. I look to my left, and it's just standing there, watching me with the beady blue eyes and these horrible claws on its arms clasped together. Then I blink, and it's gone. Three days ago, I woke up in the middle of the night to get a drink and grab that axe. As I passed my daughter's room, I heard something moving around. Do you know what I saw when I opened the door? The interviewer says. 2490, I presume? Nothing. Just Danny murmuring in her sleep. Nothing there. So I turn around. Guess what? Right at the end of the hall. I pissed myself. Do you understand? I turn around, and I was face to face with that thing. And then it slips into my bedroom. I charge into that bedroom with the axe, and there's nothing there except my wife awake and staring at me with an axe in my hands. <laughs> the next day, Parvati took my daughter, and they went to live with her parents. So it's a story about somebody just being stalked by this merciless, ridiculous, absurd thing that just does pure nonsense the whole time. Um, and, and the fact that it's, for me, what makes it a funny Chaos Insurgency article is the fact that they looked at this and went, that could have been the Chaos Insurgency, suggests they really think <laughs> the Chaos Insurgency is fucking weird. It's got like a pill Fucking weird and, and like terrifying. Right. Uh, they're, they're so yeah. unknown to the Foundation, they think this thing could have been from them. <laughs> Which makes sense because the 
the chaos strategy is used as the boogeyman for the foundation. Right, and this is literally a boogeyman. Well. This is an individual yeah. boogeyman for an individual who works for an organization that has an organizational boogeyman, and they put those two together. Man, that that is that is that is a really good description of this article we just came up came up with. Yeah. Um, Man, I have I I like this part, which is the. Uh, some of the effects of seeing this thing. As a result of this behavior, targets usually express lack of sleep, extreme paranoia, excuse me, extreme paranoia, introversion, and a phobia of mannequins. <laughs> yeah, I should imagine so. <laughs> I just really like that. I imagine line. Dr. Feldman probably went at a few mannequins with his axe. <laughs> at least it was a few mannequins and not his wife. Yes, it's, it's good that they went to, went to live with their parents. But yeah, uh, that I, I think what you're gonna kind of see spoilers is the way to use at least from what I'm seeing here in this list, uh, the way to use the casters in interesting ways is mostly not to use, <laughs> to, you know, to, to to use them in like a to, in a way to subvert the expectations uh, and kind of pull a fast one on the reader. Yeah, because like I said, they're the most famous, well-known GOI, so everybody knows they exist. So what do you do with that? You fuck with it. Although this next one, which is SCP-3033. Oh, this next one doesn't at all. It doesn't fuck with it at yeah, all. In fact, it, it doesn't plays at all. it so outrageously straight that I, I, I said to Gregoria, and this is on the outline, <laughs> read when the yeah. sun is shining and the birds are singing, if possible. Not uplifting. <laughs> no shit. It is the bleakest article I've read in a while. Yeah, so um, what, what is it? And I'll, so this I can't is wait to hear you try to say this. I know. Uh, it's titled A Human Weapon. By Lazar Leusternik. Yes, uh, Leusternik. Yes, one of the I think actually we're close enough. One of the heads of the collections team I was talking about. Yes, yeah, so it's SCP thirty thirty three. Yes, yes indeed. Lazar is the master of I the ever... collection spreadsheet. <laughs> I don't think I ever talked to this person. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, why don't you kind of break that down? What is it? Yeah, what is SCP thirty three? Thirty three. Thirty three. Thirty three. That is a hell of a fucking number. That should that should be illegal. All right, let me scroll here. All right, so SCP-3033-1 refers to individual instances of chaos insurgency, Mike units. Instances are humans that have received invasive cranial implants that allow rudimentary control of nerve impulses as well as overriding biological limits. Depending on the production run, implants are placed inside the amygdala, thalamus, hypothalamus, prefrontal, and somatosensory cortexes. The implants on 3033-1 instances counteract pain receptors, override standard nervous signals, and interfere with the endocrine system to induce a variety of hormonal responses when activated. 3033-2 refer to the handlers of 331, 3033-1 units. 2 instances are previously non-anomalous humans that have been augmented with brain-computer interfaces in order to control. Dash one instances. So they are human body slaves created by the insurgency and controlled through psychic transmission. Isn't that If anyone fun? has ever seen a recent movie, I think it's from 2020 called Possessor. Uh, this is basically what this is about, which is people being able to pilot other people to do wet work. Yeah, now you can do it instead of paying to see a movie. You can just read this article for free. The wiki wins again. That uh, movie kicks ass. People should watch that movie. It's real. It's not only is it very bleak, it's horribly violent. Just a warning for anybody that takes that recommendation. But it's done by uh, Cronenberg's kid. Well, there you go. Brilliant. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, um, this is also moderately violent, but also horribly bleak. 
extraordinary. Yeah, so I mean, the I, setup kind of got to spoil how bleak it is just to talk about it. But yeah, go on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you kind of have to. But the the setup is the foundation has in its custody uh, one example of a person who's become the slave. Yes. One person, one example of a person who's be who was a controller, and the scientist who helped develop this for the chaos insurgency which we don't know um, at the beginning is who they're talking to really um and it, right it, we, we don't realize and this is like the, the, the spoiler um but one of the doctors they're talking to this whole time is totally the person who developed this entire thing and tortured these people <laughs> and the foundation is right. just protecting them because it's an operation paperclip thing only much worse <laughs> I don't know if it's... Well, it's not much... I, I, I mean, like, Oppenheimer. I'm not talking, like, <laughs> fucking actual nuts. Fine. <laughs> uh, this person is, yeah, this but, person is kind of on the Mengele spectrum here, um, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and is written just purely sociopathically. Like, just... Just a monster. Um, and not in, like, a real world somebody who has a diagnosis of sociopathy. I mean, somebody who is, like, just sees other people as, like, not even pawns on a chessboard, but like just pieces of meat to experiment on. Yeah, uh, just straight up Mangala. It's um, totally Mangala. This is this is the evil Nazi scientist. Only they are played straight. They're not played like a comedy Nazi. They are played yeah, like no, this and is it's, a it's, really bad person. Yeah, and it's you know effectively done. It's you, it's not trying to glorify this person at all. No, um, you hate them. In fact, they use a little bit of targeted language to make sure that you read it and you go, oh, I don't like this person. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's like, I think we should just can we just spoil it? Like it's so clear. Or maybe we well, yeah, it's just, well, the ending is very subversive multiple times, and that's I have yeah, to spoil a lot it of twists. About that. So I don't know if you wanted to say it or I'll say it either way. Well, it, it, what's interesting is you, you go through these interviews with the person who was uh, being treated because they were turned into the slave. Uh, their your, your interviews with people, the person who was the con the controller. Um, and this doctor and it's all just to kind of set up how this shit works and then it like completely turns itself on its head because the slave uh, is not a slave it's like a, right like or it's a controller I don't, or they both were slaves um, the, the, the slave and, that, that, that becomes part of the finale I think broke the programming and has figured out how to self actualize and is, is going back for revenge well, I don't know, uh, because it, the the dialogue from the doctor is like, you know, oh, you were sent to kill me because I betrayed the chaos insurgency, and the um, and the dialogue from the the, the assassin uh, certainly reflects. I, I feel like that's what was being had. Is they were trying to take her out for for having turned on the the CI. Well, I didn't catch that, uh, but either it doesn't really super change no, the part that yeah. I'm interested in. Either the fact either they've broken free and they're trying to kill them on their own free will, or the CI is doing it. I didn't pick up on that either way, but it's still sort of the same point because you hate the shit out of this doctor. They're a fucking Nazi doctor. They suck. <laughs> they're bad. And this person who's been experimented on is about to kill them. And then the doctor basically code phrases them and stops them from doing it. And you're like, oh, no, this is the part where, like, it turns south and the doctor prevents them from killing them. But then then, then the hero does something, like, else that gets them both killed and it's bittersweet. Nope. The bad guy yeah, the wins. Doctor is, <laughs> yeah, the doctor is 100% immune to attack from these people that are conditioned because she's, I believe she has put in fail safes. 
like even when the person breaks through the failsafe and tries again, she's just like, "Oh well, that was very impressive. You almost you almost got through that time." Uh, like, and then just like vivisects the person, just like decide doesn't kill them. Like does kill obviously that kills you, but like doesn't decide to like just take out this assassin. No, this the doctor decides that she's gonna vivisect this person right here. Why? No reason other suck. than apparently she likes cutting people up. Because you know this is what happens when you take Nazi scientists away from the Nazis and make them your scientists. They're still Nazi yeah. scientists. I mean, <laughs> it's really well written, but like I have a hard time saying I recommend it. Oh yeah, it's really <laughs> depressing and unpleasant. It makes you feel bad. But the yeah. thing about it is, like, I have this thing where I like to see all the possible ways that a story can be told being told, and if a story yeah. takes that effort, I'm impressed. And this is the story no, that totally. obviously ends with either getting revenge on the Doctor completely. Or getting bittersweet revenge where nobody makes it out. And the least likely version of that story is the Doctor just fucking gets away with it. And that's what they went with with this, which I respect intensely. And this yeah, is what- it's not it's not predictable at all. Like, when you yeah. notice what the twist is, you're like, oh, I know how I this know is going to end. end. Nope. It doesn't. It just fucking does Nope. It. The bad guy, the uh, bad girl, I think, completely fucking wins and, it, and it's depressing. But this is portrays the insurgency as fucking scary yeah yeah like genuinely a shadow organization that even the foundation has very little understanding of how capable they are yeah um and that's pretty effective again doesn't make them a very compelling force um but actually utilizes the straight idea of oh the chaos insurgency is the bad guys and they're the shadow organization in a fairly effective way I mean, not fairly, very effective way. So it's good stuff. It is, and it, it, it really, there's a moral to the story. It's that Operation Paperclip was a mistake. <laughs> shouldn't yep. shouldn't have taken all of those Nazis and, and given them nope. new jobs. What were you fucking? But they can get us to the moon. Yeah, and they cool. they did. I'm glad we did that. <laughs> um. <sighs> Anyway, so we're going to move on to some clever uses of, uh, and honestly, almost all of these can be clever uses, but this but is... I've, t- I've captioned are, this clever are... uses, so it's official. That's right. This is a nice uh, nice and... short form article that I find really amusing, and I headcanoned at the moment I read it. It's incredible. Uh, it's very, very smart. Yeah. Uh, SCP-3612, the main list is out of order, please try again, by Ge- Geometry Prime. Uh, this is fucking it's so my note is oh my god this is so fucking cool it's so perfect in world in world explanations for lost articles or slots not yet taken yep so why like the thing you should always be asking yourself is in universe how is it that the articles on the scp wiki are not organized by date of discovery well don't worry this this article can explain that they're not organized by date of discovery they're not organized by the date the article was written they're not organized using any organizational logic whatsoever and this is what sc yeah and i mean I, go on gregory oh no i just think it's so funny that like in the real world the reason is we outline you know we we open up a thousand slots at once uh minus whatever's taken up by huge fucking contests um and then you know just gets filled in with whatever slot is that's open that you like um but this is such a brilliant way of explaining it in universe it uh, is. I, I can't even believe it so so what is the anomaly well 
SCP-3612 describes a sentient and extremely destructive computer virus believed to have originated within the Chaos Insurgency that inhabits the Foundation's SIPnet database. 3612 is a powerful infovore known to exclusively target and delete specific types of data. Namely, any data that exhibits symbolic sequential ordering is at risk. In order for data to be classified as SSO positive, two qualifications must be met. Data must be organized, I'm using both versions of data just to make people happy, must be organized in the form of a list. Data must be ordered with respect to a specific deliberate purpose. Prior to the entity's discovery and in containment, SIPnet's SCP main list was arranged chronologically. So the Chaos Insurgency gave us another fucking STD, and this time what it did was it, 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 it <laughs> fucked up the, S, the SIPnet database, and the only way to stop it from fucking everything up was to make sure and this is explicit in the article, that the SIPnet database, the series lists, has no fucking organizational sense to it at all. <laughs> so fucking cool. So how do you contain such a thing? Well, no problem. The main, and what uh, really also interesting subversion in this article is that the Conprocs are not until the end of the article, because that's really where all the meat is. Yeah. Because uh, it sets up what this thing is. And then kind of leads you to the question of, well, how the fuck do you contain something like this? Well, here's how you contain it. You need to make sure that the main list is not attractive to this uh, sentient uh, virus. And the way that they're going to do that is SCP designation numbers must not be assigned with regard to order of discovery, nor with regard to any overarching method. <laughs> Instead, personnel responsible for recovery of an object will be required to choose its designation number from any unused slots in the database. This will introduce the personal preference or superstitions of thousands of separate individuals, <laughs> minimizing the chances of a coherent pattern emerging. <laughs> Isn't that clever? Just, just so rarely is an article just as meta as fuck and and you and not go and i don't walk away from it going eh, this is fucking this is just an explanation in universe for why we organize the the wiki the way we that we do which is not re doesn't make any sense in universe and it's just it's the fucking best it's it, i hadn't i'd never read this before and i read it and i went yep that's it this is the explanation I'm doing this. This is the. This is real. <laughs> I just. I, and it is disgustingly underrated for such a brilliant idea. It is only at 100 and only because I just uploaded. Yeah, well, that's depressing, and that definitely needs to be arrested. So everybody, go up about that. Um, uh, it's also fun. This is, I think, I put this as a clever use of the chaos insurgency instead of just clever article because. Of course, we got the fucking virus that caused us to rearrange the database into nonsense from the chaos insurgency. That makes perfect sense in a way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, the chaos of the main list is because of the chaos insurgency. All right, before we move on to this one uh, by Tanhone, let's take a quick break. Okay. Hey there, fans of Simply Creative People. We're mostly unsponsored so far, so I figured I would take the time to mention that you can support the show on the show page at anchor.fm slash simplycreativepeople, or if you're so inclined, you can check out Harry or my Ko-Fi pages at ko-fi.com slash harryblink or slash author. Things are crazy tough out there, so if you can't afford any financial support, and trust me, we understand, do us a favor and mention the podcast to someone who might enjoy it, or spread the word online. If we want to bridge the gap between fans and creators, we've got to get the word out to new fans. In many ways, this show is designed to be appealing to new and old fans of SCP alike, as we can all enjoy some discussion about this thing we love, and we can all learn something new. Heaven knows, I learn something new every week. 
Thanks so much. We love you just for listening. Thanks for the support through all these first few months of the podcast. You're the best. All right. So we are back from break. Um, I have gotten myself an adult beverage. <laughs> I was so, so not sure where that was going until the last word. What did what, well, what you, you think it was? Movie? Adult we went, movie? We went for a break because you had to pee. I assumed you went to get an adult diaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it sounded like it was going, man. I've gotten myself. Just in case. You were, you were so proud, too. I have gotten myself an adult diaper. <laughs> beverage. Life Just begins be at clear. 40. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, hey, if you get enough adult beverages, you might need an adult diaper. We'll see. That's true. Yeah. Yep, so this is uh, this is definitely peak poop, stat- poop statue fan fiction uh, podcasting as we talk about That's right. and alcohol. Uh, What'd you get? What, but, uh, what'd you drink? What drink did you get? What'd you get? I got some watermelon soju, which is Korean flavored vodka, basically. Ah, uh, even your drinks are weird. It's fucking never, delicious. I've even heard of that. It sounds good. Anything watermelon sounds good. What the fuck are. Okay, SCP. Yeah, SCP. SCP 5145, I Buried the Sun by Ten Honey, uh, yeah. is. I, I think. I don't know <laughs> if it's the first Surrealistics article, but um, it's. it's, it's it sure is a surrealistics article. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, so what's the what is surrealistics, Grigory? God, how do you explain what surrealistics is? Surrealistics is a group within the foundation, a department that handles anomalies that are incapable of being contained or understood through typical cogent thought they can rational thought processes will not allow you to understand or contain them right and so members of the department of the surrealistics department uh have often undergone some sort of procedure uh to realign uh what is it realign their cognitive thinking or you know i, I forget exactly how they yeah. describe it but fucks with um, their brains fucks with their brains uh and uh in this article, it starts off with an AIC talking directly to somebody who has done something following the conviction on the grounds of manslaughter and conspiracy with a hostile group of interest. You have opted to transfer over to Surrealistics rather than undergo termination. Excellent choice. <laughs> and this person gets their uh, rational thought process realigned so that they can help to describe and contain this anomaly, which we never really good to get a handle on because what this article is is a series of scps in short form that are different every time because the aic is having this person describe what the anomaly is um and through interpretation of those scps uh you can start to understand why this person is in this situation uh and what led to it and how they have a fairly uh uh relatable and sad story behind it but it's couched in this like absurdist uh not horror exactly but very unsettling uh yeah it's all it's all borderline gibberish and sometimes not even borderline gibberish and when it's not gibberish it's describing things that make no sense um, coherently and it, it, it the article goes through multiple iterations of trying to describe the same thing as this person gets more and more surrealistic meds taken or or what have you to the point where some of the different versions are like terrifyingly bizarre i mean i have a favorite that i would read if you had any but yeah go for it 
Special contain these are all short. Special containment Super procedures. Short. As temperatures are of course at freezing value, personal heating is required throughout Site 010. SCP-5145 is to be tamed at Site 010. Uh, 5145 is to be stored in a shielded chamber located at Site 010 and fed twice, three times a day. The shielding is to be composed of a strong material. The demands of the seeing eye are to be obeyed. Any personnel found obeying the seeing eye are to be reassigned to surrealistics or incinerated. Should 5145 be terminated, personal heating will be required. There will be no funeral. Description. <laughs> 5145 is an eight-year-old girl residing six feet under inside a shielded containment chamber inside Site 010. The emotional state of 5145 is linked directly to the sun. Emotional distress will result in solar dimming, while excitement will result in intense solar flares capable of annihilating up to 300 D-class personnel. Directly pointed at Site 010 is a massive free-floating energy cannon hereafter referred to as 5145-1, hereafter referred to as the Seeing Eye. Periodically, the Seeing Eye will release a telepathic demand to all surrounding organisms. These demands are variable, and thus vary significantly from case to case. Should these demands not be obeyed immediately, the Seeing Eye will fire and kill 5145. Subsequently, the sun will go out. And that's the end of the file. And, and none of that is actually literally true. Right. Uh, and then in between each of these little slots, we have commentary from the AIC. And this is funny because the next thing they say is, I'm going to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about in this version of the article. But don't worry, that's quite common. When you're first exposed to the level of agnostics, which is the medicine or yeah. procedure, yeah. it's hard to say you know, pills that you take that get like that keep your brain working this irrational way your memories often get muddled up with your present perceptions a bit it's nothing to be afraid of and it's really very cool <laughs> unfortunately this doesn't pertain to the anomaly you read about at all but i'm sure we'll get there eventually keep on keeping on and they do and every <laughs> they version do. of it is weirder and more bizarre but you still see the motif of the seeing eye throughout they seem like focused on the seeing eye because you start to realize like this anomaly has something to do with this researcher specifically and they're figuring yeah. it out, and they're, they're trying to get at it, and this might actually have something to do with why they've been forced into this program to begin with. And they're really focused on the seeing eye, like the seeing eye. Like, the seeing eye later becomes the CI, the CI, CI. <laughs> I wonder what the C... <laughs> so we won't gonna... spoil it, obviously, unless you want well, to spoil it. Did you no, want to spoil but it? But I, I want to read another part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, this is another interstitial part where the ASC is talking directly to the researcher. Uh, and then I'm going to read the following SCP portion. Uh, yeah. Again, this one's very short. Do not allow guilt to bleed too much over your duties, friend. We want your experiences to color your perceptions, not stain them. <laughs> A graze is always preferable to hemorrhage. Do it again. <laughs> SCP. Item number. SCP. Object <laughs> class. <laughs> Object class. Dishwasher. Special containment procedures, and these are all crossed out. SCP is to woke, be woken up for school and fed breakfast. SCP is to be picked up from school and fed lunch. SCP is to go to the park. SCP is to watch their favorite car its favorite cartoon. SCP is to be tucked in at night. SCP is to be informed there are no monsters in the closet. All that's crossed out, and what's left is a black envelope is to be made full. Description. A black envelope is composed of paper and glue. It has a hungry mouth and desires intelligence. It has a hungry mouth and desires the intelligence you have access to. It is pointing a gun at the sun. Personnel are to insert their head into the hungry mouth of the black envelope and allow it to occur thusly. 
The sun's birthday cake has eight candles, and each is speared down into the bakery beast. The black envelope is strangling a ninth candle. It has hands with which to do this. The sun will go out very soon. You have to do the dishes. <laughs> yep. It's just so... I mean, if you read this in a very shallow way, it's very funny. Until you start to realize what is really going on. And my, I won't spoil it, but if you go... After you read it, if you go to the comments, there's a comment from... Zuxon, which is Z-Z-U-X-O-N, which has, a, yeah. I think, that's not confirmed from Tanhoney, but I think is a really good interpretation of what's going on. And yeah, it it's is... also explained in SCP Declassified, which is similar. Yes. Um, and this is... This is a really excellent way of showing how the way that you execute a story is inherently part of whether or not the story is good. Because honestly... This, if told straight, maybe wouldn't be very good, uh, depending on how well it was executed. But the way that it's told, with this very surreal and bizarre and often funny, but very bleakly funny, fashion making you be Sherlock Holmes and shit and putting together pieces is brilliant. It is. Um, it's a really beautifully done piece of work. And it's, it's it, it, again, without like spoiling or anything, it's, it's about like somebody's supremely unpleasant suppressed trauma being forced to try and work it or work it out with a brain that's not working anymore and they're working through this 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 suppressed trauma in, in various yeah. allegorical ways and it's a trauma that was caused by the chaos insurgency which is why the seeing eye keeps popping up um, right and, and it's it's completely linked to why they're doing this job basically they're getting put into sur surrealistics because a they know how to explain an anomalous thing that happened because it was involved with them and B they're so fucked up anyway we might as well just start giving them agnostics and and, and use them in this method and they're so uh, compromised that the other option is we kill them right so there's no point in doing that so we'll just have them write this SCP file and congratulations you can you can now be a lunatic for the, for the rest of your yeah, life and, in a useful and the, way the, the arc of these different um anomalies uh being described is so crazy because what ends up being the successful one is just like so fucking weird without being in the same way weird it's very like vague and like you can see where characters like dr gat came from absolutely it's even uh, got it's, sight it's, loop square going on there it sure is yeah it's really good it's a, it's a um, terrific article it's yeah i mean no surprise tenhoni is a pretty good writer uh but yeah, this one's really, really, really fun and clever use of, of the CI. Yes, it is. But we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about some reinterpretations. Yes, we are. And this next one is... It's funny, the, the use of the Chaos Insurgency in this next one is just very brief, and it's just that I want to <laughs> talk about how it was done, because it's kind of fun. So anyway, what is this next one? This one is a UIU file, 6413, but... Yes, it's... It's actually in the Aces and Eights canon. Um, so it's actually the SCP-6413. Yes, uh, but in the, the Aces list. and Eights, there is no foundation. Or, yes. not yes, in the traditional sense. The, I, 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 really think, I think there essentially is no foundation in Aces and Eights. Right. So, do and, you want to explain uh, what that is, or do you want me to explain what that is? Yeah, I, I love this one. Uh, I'll, and it's, it's, the canon, it's called... Think we should, we should talk oh, the canon. canon. The canon is, it's set back in the 1800s during the Wild West, yeah. and it's using a bunch of characters that are from modern day SCP and concepts that are modern day SCP, but trans 
transplanting them into a Wild West scenario in which there really isn't a foundation. And in Stowe instead, there's like the Pinkertons and, you know, places like this one takes place in Deadwood. Uh, and it's just kind of a cool excuse to tell creepy yeah. stories in the Wild West. Really. Yeah, it was it was created by Sumerian and this is an article by Sumerian. What's it yep. called? It's called All Bet You Dread to Spend Another Lonely Night with Me. Because every single Laces and Eights article that was written by somebody who read The Hub beforehand and received that information uh, has a title that's derived from song lyrics. This is right. a Willie Nelson song. I wouldn't know. Well, <laughs> I didn't either, but I Googled it. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, it's an Aces and Eights article. I, I do find something a little bit strange about this. Go on. How is the UIU around in the 1800s when the FBI didn't exist? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yep. This is pre-FBI. Anyway. Well, it's not pre-UIU, um, so I guess you just have to deal with it. You're wrong about when the UIU started. <laughs> <laughs> um, he never gets tired of the you're wrong jokes. Well, it's his fault. Uh, <laughs> so the interpretation of the CI here is, what are they here? They are the Confederate inspectors. <laughs> Because this takes place during the height of Deadwood, which is the same period of time that was covered by the TV show. And uh, I think that this clearly references... The TV show had characters in it that were based on real people and that were named the same. But this feels like they're talking about the characters from the show. Yeah, a little bit. And which is the best show on television. It's definitely, yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, I mean, and this is a from a Series 7 article, so it's not a surprise. Um but yeah, the Confederate inspectors thing I like, and that's why I, I like this article because it's, it's short and punchy and fun and has some some fun, goofy historical trivia in it. But I also like the, making them the Confederates because it kind of makes sense because the Union splits into the Union and the Confederacy and the Chaos Insurgency splits from the Foundation. This is, seems like a sensible thing. I'm not sure I would have picked uh, inspectors. I would might have might have picked a, a, a more evocative second word, but making them the confederates in the union that was that was reasonably clever I like i'm also that. fairly sure that deadwood was founded and uh in this time period was after the civil war yeah very sure anyway uh well, what is the point of writing stuff in the past if you can't mess with the timeline <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure fair enough um people that have liked the show deadwood will get a little bit of something extra from this in my opinion uh because it's Mostly from the perspective of two characters from the show, um, Sheriff Seth Bullock, uh, who was a real person, uh, and uh, Tom Nuttall, who owned the Number Ten Saloon, which was he was also a real person. Um, this and is actually two more real people who I'll explain yeah, later. Yeah, um, this is actually the anomaly uh, or oddity uh, is a crazy interdimensional doorway aperture something that if you uh, touch you are going to be like pulled into and turned inside out and you know, yep. it's very horrible and uh, Tom Nuttall who's the owner of the saloon uh, describes it in a report uh, which is pretty great and I thought I would just read it yeah. at first I thought I heard a great cracking and I stand by that assumption but there was with it a sort of sliding sound as Johnny started to flex like a balloon he puffed up a bit then deflated just as quickly it was as if all the humors were drained directly from his body he cried out, and I was tempted to take his free hand and give a mighty pull, but there was scant time to speak, much less act. Johnny's body went limp, as the rest of him, sins and all, went through the hole like medicine into a greedy mouth of the infirm. 
There was nothing left but some blood, claw marks on the wall, and a memory. A quick first, I quick, I quick first boarded the wall and went to report the sheriff, the incident to the sheriff, mm-hmm. which I think is a very colorful uh, description of some pretty fucking creepy body horror stuff. Sin, sins and all, that one sticks in, sticks with yeah. me. That's, that's a good choice of words. Yeah, hell yeah, it was. It's a weird, gross anomaly. And then the the, uh, the UIU's agents get involved, and it's kind of funny because uh, real life intrudes upon them because one of their agents is Wild Bill Hickok, and he gets himself killed during the course of the operation. And then uh, their other agent takes revenge because their other agent is Calamity Jane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, for people that or maybe not aware, uh, the number 10 saloon in Deadwood is the place where the coward Jack McCall uh, shot uh, Bill Hickok in the back of the head over a uh, what is supposed to be a uh, bad card game. Uh, and then he was uh, convicted, or not convicted, he was tried very quickly um, and then found innocent by kind of an impromptu, at this point they weren't even a territory, uh, they were all legally there, and uh, and then he was taken to a fort where he was tried again and was hung. Um, and this is this really fun interpretation within the SCP verse of that whole event. It's it's especially because at first it goes Agent One and Agent Two, yeah. Uh, and then Seth Bullock in his telegrams just starts to go off <laughs> about all the things that changed because Agent One and Agent Two kind of got into it with the CI agent. Uh, and then that's where it starts to reveal that oh 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 <laughs> yeah, some, it's very clever there's some correspondences between the real world and the aces and eights universe yeah. you're wrong about why Seth Bullock or you're wrong <laughs> about why Bill Hickok was killed there you go it's, it's it, a great article I fucking fun. loved it it's, <laughs> it's, it's very short um, I imagine yeah. it probably happened because Samarian was just talking in a chat with somebody and the idea popped into his head and he wrote it in, <laughs> in like five minutes because this is what Samarian does he just has these flashes of inspiration and goes off and writes the whole thing all at once yeah and uh, good stuff yeah it's fun art but we're gonna move on because I want to point out that oh, we you betrayed the one. thing you just said, where you said you weren't gonna do something in the middle of a series because you did. Only it was your series. I totally, yeah, I forgot that I included this, but uh, it, in my defense. So earlier uh, on, we talked about. <laughs> in your defense, you do not care. Is that what you yes. said? Yes. Nice. Um, so earlier on, we talked about the Canon Renaissance contest and how we both wrote. Uh, resurrection stuff. Well, the next thing we're going to write, read, or talk about is the Siege at Site 19 by Not Gull, which was a part of the Resurrection Old Foes uh, mm-hmm. series, which is your team's uh, con- contributions to that contest. Yeah. So the premise in this series is because we wanted to tell a coherent individual storyline is that the long-lost General Bo, who is the guy who was involved with the SCP Foundation's original attempt to weaponize their anomalies before it went wrong, uh, comes back and gathers a bunch of the Foundation's enemies and tries to get them all together to attack the Foundation and force the Foundation to behave the way the Chaos Insurgency wants them to be behaving, which is to say using their anomalies for stuff. Um, And Siege of Sight 19 is the, the big climactic moment in the first act of the story where... Bo shows up with the Chaos Insurgency and the Church of the Broken God and some weird, bizarre Scarlet King cult group, and they take Site 19. Uh, and the story is told in, um, in 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 solid Dracula format by pre- presenting you with a series of documents that 
um, show what's going on as it happens with video footage and uh, computer transcripts and chat messages between Director Moose of Site-19 and the various people who work there. Um, it's, it's a really fun, unusual formatted tale that he put, that Knockall put just an extraordinary amount of effort into the formatting of it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so many different moments uh, and different perspectives being told. Um, and, and the way it works, or the, the reason it works, I think, is because it does very much feel like, okay, we'll just get all the documentation we can and then let's organize it so we can figure out what happened. Uh, and that's what this reads as like a bunch of oh here's a security camera and here's a recording and here's a report from one of the agents who got out and you know it's 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 awesome it's it is very much a dracula epistolary uh There's story the which which you know that's what scp is modern yeah. day epistolary stuff which we've said on the show before and it, it totally is, it is. um um, Obviously, I'm... you're biased, but I will recommend the fact that Old Foes is a killer story, um, especially because you y'all lang- like leaned into the idea of let's make a pulpy resurrection story by setting up these villains, taking over part of the foundation, and then you spend like the back half just like sort of subverting the expectations you set up, which <laughs> uh, is really fun. This is where Doctor Dan really uh, came into his own, and, and you made him shine. Um, and yeah, this is a really good example of using the CI, um, for, you know, more than just a plot device, because it really is a force to be reckoned with, but it also is kind of just this cartoon villain again. Um, oh yeah. And the, the, the beauty of that is, um, this was all written, uh, piecemeal. One of us will write one and one of us will mm-hmm. write the other. And we would just talk a little bit about here's what I'm writing, here's what I'm writing, and then we just play off of what the other person had already written. And Notgull wrote uh, Bo behaving very theatrically and getting these people together to fight the Foundation, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, why is he doing this? Um, and there's even this line right here in the Siege of Sight 19 where he's talking to the O5s, and he goes, maybe seeing the modern world changed me, Overseer. Maybe I've just had a change of heart. Maybe I've decided that our anomalies should be used for the good of humanity instead of for the enforcement of an idea that's slowly killing the Earth. Um, and I played oh. on that as we went forward, and yeah, it, you're seeing the playing on that I didn't even think we were doing at the time, but the slowly killing the earth thing, that, that totally accidentally plays into uh, SCP-6500 later on. But for now, Bo basically going, we should use the anomalies. This is the Chaos Insurgency's argument right from the start, is we're supposed to be using these things, and the Foundation is going, eh, I don't know if we should, because most of Resurrection is really they have basically got a crack squad of people they could be using, and half the people in the Foundation are like, this is a bad idea, I don't want to do it, and that's why the storyline never really pops, it never takes off, they never actually start doing it until fairly late in the story, right? Um, mm-hmm. Whereas what happens here is, the Chaos Insurgency and the other people they've convinced to ride along with them show up at Site-19, dump all the anomalies out on top of the civilians, and go, fucking go nuts! And the Foundation, freaking out, basically has to start employing anomalies to stop it, thereby proving the Chaos Insurgency's point that using these anomalies actually works. <laughs> and spoiler, maybe that was the whole point all along. And spoiler, maybe that was what he wanted in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which was a fun uh, thing. Uh, the thing I think that I really like the best is that y- you call it Resurrection, and so... What that makes me think is that, okay, this is going to be a crack squad of like an MTF made up of anomalous individuals. And instead you took kind of a, like a, 
um, the bird's eye view of how would we organize these things um, from a very like um, strategic point of view. Uh, and you have these characters who are not the people that are on the ground. Typically, there are moments where you do shift to that. Um, and there are some great action sequences. But there's also a lot of discussion. And the action is, is, is oftentimes with the people back at base uh making making the plans work and and he turned dan into sort of the guy behind the computer who's giving out the orders that uh, was that was so he's much nick fun. fury it was so much fun writing that um because yeah when we started to write this i thought what do i care about from, from series one and i thought i really liked how dr dan is so pissed off that we're keeping this horrible monster around that he ruins his own life irretrievably in order to prove a point that it's a bad monster and should be gotten rid of. And I thought, can I still use that guy? Cause it's never explicit that he gets executed. So I went, fuck it. He didn't. And I used him in this and they bring him back to stop this problem. And he stands there having read most of the database in a rush and goes like, Oh, so something is happening in this city. That's fucking anomalous. What is it? It's probably SCP, whatever from site 19 uh, dump SCP other whatever on top of it and it will fix that problem. All right, give me the next one. Give me the next one. And he's just standing there <laughs> high on Red Bull, just going like, come on, come on, come on, and and dealing with the problem. And he is now the, the head of the very hastily formed um, Emergent Threat Tactical Response Authority, or ETRA, which is designed to do the anomalous spot treatment of like, I don't know, send the fucking sketch girl in to handle this art-hating monster. Send, uh, here's, oh, those are just the garden gnomes. Don't worry about the garden gnomes. They're fine. Unless they explode, there's also exploding garden gnomes. He's the guy who knows all the anomalies and knows how they might correspond to each other mathematically. And and that ends up sort of hijacking the second half of the story as, as we switch to Dr. Dan basically doing anomaly math. Uh, and then, of course, yeah. I've, I've just used Etra and Dr. Dan again in SCP-7000. So, like, I wouldn't have any of this fun stuff if I hadn't worked with my excellent team of Celeste, Kara, Not Colin, the Pighead, um, working on the Canon Renaissance Contest. So it was it was a lot of fun. And so I guess I owe the Chaos Insurgency quite a bit, in a way. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't have been inspired to do Dan. And then we wouldn't have gone on to write our joint uh, yeah. resurrection which thing. Wrote, which we'll is, be picking up, hopefully, uh, sometime. Yeah, well, soon. Uh, we, we left it at a good good point, but we should pick it back up. Um, yes. Which was our attempt, because as famous as SCP-093 is, uh, I feel like it really was never expanded upon in a meaningful way. Just like except Dr. For, Dan. Except for the... Uh, yeah, just like Dr. Dan. Uh, except for, I will say, other than the uh, Black Blackwood tale, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Which is excellent. Absolutely. Um, and so we we took that and ran with it. So what if we had the squad, this group of people from my uh, team's articles for that canon renaissance, and then Dr. Dan and Dr. Light, Dr. Light, who was in both of our things, organizing them in a way to, like, uh, attack, but more importantly, understand and, you know, investigate SCP-093. Uh, because as important as it seems like it was, it feels like no one did anything with it since 2000-whatever when it, that was put on there, so... Yep. So good, good on the CI. For that. Yeah. Congratulations. Some good coming out of them. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, but we're gonna move on. Uh, two more. Get into the close closing section, which is fun uses, and this is an article that I just absolutely adore because I love everything that uh, Radiker has done. Absolutely. Uh, she wrote SCP six three two two special delivery, uh, which is. Now, spoiler, 
I'm a huge fucking fan of Sloth's Pit, and I'm a huge fucking fan of Radiger. And when Radiger decides to tell a story in Sloth's Pit, it's just, fuck, this is going to be great. And it yes, is. Yes, it is. It is great. And it's it's even greater because it's also one of those, the SCP is just the excuse. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the description is so funny. It's a severe, it's a, severe. It's a sphere of unidentified gemstone measuring 10 centimeters in diameter. When the SCP comes in contact with human skin for longer than three minutes, the object emits a 115 decibel ringing sound. Organic creatures in a 0.5 kilometer radius of the object who hear the sound without protective equipment experience rapid lung consolidation. <laughs> Uh, which is water vapor condensing within the lungs, leading to drowning, uh, and die after one to five minutes. It is the it's least a, interesting anomaly ever. It's a series it, one piece of shit. Because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't fucking matter, because the whole point of it is the CI is coming to try and get it. <laughs> uh, this article is criminally underrated at 69. Nice. nice. Uh, but uh, it is all about a MTF called the Pony Express. Yes. Uh, which are literally mail workers who uh, are concerned with transportation and shipping of anomalies. Um, and there are and just, it, they're, they're just they're actually hilarious. postal workers. Yeah, and it's hilarious. But it actually turns into this like hilarious action movie of sorts because the CI, they find out, is going to make a play on the anomaly in question, which is being received at Site 87, which is the home of SNC Plastics. Huh. Um, and, you know, it's it's not a very long article. And like everything that Radiker has done, the dialogue and character work in this is stellar, but it's also just fucking hilarious because everything Radiker it does is. is fucking hilarious. It's worth uh, just reading because there's also, there's a twist. There's a, uh, it's a great twist. Um, and it's related to the, the Chaos Insurgencies, the twist. Yeah. So there you go. It's 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 a great use of the Chaos Insurgency to tell a very fun SNC Plastics action story. Um, it's also got um, text messages going back and forth because it's a Radiker article and they frequently do and they're always awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it ends on uh, a one-liner that I feel like you must have been jealous of. I'm kind of jealous of everything, but yes, yes, yes. Because uh, it is such an effective one-liner ending. It's so fucking good. Yes. Uh, I love um, the one-liner endings and pretty much everything Radiger's written I also love. So it's... So, it's yeah, this isn't like an incredibly short article, but it's not that long. And it's like 95% dialogue. It reads very quick. Yeah, it's like um, snappy as hell. And it's it's a it's a good... Yeah. It's a laugher. And it's also got a good twist. It's a, just a great article. And this is the one we won't spoil out of the bunch. Yeah. Because we're totally going to spoil the ending of the next one because the ending is the reason I included it. But this this one is, is an oh, yeah. article. Everybody should, read. Everybody should read everything Radiger wrote. Yes. God. I mean, I think we've said this on multiple, uh, multiple episodes. But Jesus Christ, go read everything Radiger has written. And listen to find us alive absolutely she's so fucking immensely so goddamn talented we are so lucky to have her in the community it's ridiculous and watch her videos as well on youtube yeah oh god so Tam tampa red very very good i think she changed it recently to just radiger did she um yeah anyway uh but we are going to move on to scp 5446 shock troops by ais mallard or uh, eyes mallard i'm not really sure i, I think it's ace mallard but i'm ace not 100 sure yeah um, anyway, uh, this is, as you noted, just dumb and a great one to end on. <laughs> it, it's it's dumb and I, but I dumb in a like, fun way. Like, like it's very fun. The, the whole it's a, it's extraordinarily short. Um, I'm just gonna read the description. Yeah. yeah. Uh, SCP-5446 is a metallic amulet believed to have been produced around 6,000 years ago. When appeal and applied to human subjects submerged in salt water, the anomaly converts them into an SCP-5446-Delta instance. 
These are sapient telepathic jellyfish. <laughs> Superficially similar to the lion's mane jellyfish, with tentacles ranging from 24 to 31 meters in length. Individuals transformed this way retain their intelligence and memories, and are able to make use of electrical thaumaturgy for combat, communication, and interfacing with Area 58's computer systems. Yep. Ah! <laughs> There's a whole table of the examples that they use where they are employing these ridiculous fucking jellyfish. But that's not why I'm here. Like, that's not but, why but I came here. <laughs> but as on. part of the setup, though, is it kind of relies on another article. Not kind of, it does. It does. Which is SCP-3932, which is all about a, a super intelligent civilization of dolphins that is slowly infecting the other non-anomalous dolphins in the world to make them like them. Uh, and yes. so it's a series of combat actions between human beings that have been turned into magical jellyfish fighting <laughs> super smart dolphins with para weapons. It's so, so fucking. It's, it's so the fucking absurd. best. And the article is like a thousand words long, if. Yeah, maybe. It's really yeah. short and it packs both of those things in. The other article is written by Stormbreath, by the way. Oh, yeah. Which um, makes sense. And of course, Stormbreath and... Ace Mallard, both. That was 5140, right? Uh, 6140, the, 6140, the True Empire. Yep. The True mm -hmm. Empire for uh, yep. Sixcon. The excellent, excellent um, <laughs> recontextualization of the Deva. Yeah, somebody just asked me because I wrote the, the, the hub what I thought about it. I think, I think it's brilliant. I think it's an incredible article. I don't head a candidate at all. Oh, yeah, it's its own universe as far as I'm concerned. It's not part of the one that I'm working in, but I like it. It's really good. Oh, it's incredible. It's, it's, an atta it's, it's, a, it's a brutal attack on Orientalism and writing. And that's, oh, yeah, that's really it's, it's awesome. Um, anyway, so yeah, the ending note, which I also <laughs> copy-pasted. So if you had not, I would have. So if you just want to read it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm only going to read the last line. I'll just clarify the previous part unless you think the whole thing needs to be read. Yeah, let's read the whole thing. Okay, fine. Uh, just know that the 3932 are the dolphins and the 5446 are the jellyfish. On either February the 1st or January the 2nd, 2021, <laughs> around 3.15 a.m. local time, an insurgent cell of Area 58 personnel staged an attack on the facility. It's the CI! Utilizing their anomalous capabilities, they debilitated loyal personnel by a psychic assault and unsealed Area 58's primary entrance to the open sea. A large number of hostile dolphin and jellyfish entities then swarmed the facility. The dolphin combatants deployed previously unseen para-weaponry capable of shrinking personnel, permitting them to be consumed. <laughs> the operatives then opened 5446's containment chamber and breached the anomaly. To date, it has not been recovered. <laughs> Therefore, all Foundation facilities have been informed to be on alert for attacks by Chaos Insurgency agents who are telepathic jellyfish. <laughs> and that's the whole ball game right there that sentence right uh, there that this was a jamcon article right it, oh, that would make a lot of sense um it is I think so. maybe maybe yeah it's jamcon 2021 yep it is and it's so yeah. good and it's criminally underrated that last line disgustingly is worth a, underrated that line is, is worth a lot more than 41 thanks yeah it's only 41 which is disgusting and second of all even if that uh, that line, which is hilarious, didn't exist, just the fucking anomaly is so funny. Here's this thing that we keep turning people into intelligent, deadly, <laughs> magical jellyfish. Why do we keep doing it? To kill magical, deadly dolphins. It's perfect. Fucking hilarious. It, it almost reads like a shark punching center thing. It's... It so good it is and it's a, it's i i wouldn't call it a, like a canon but it seems to be like part of a connected series of articles because uh mallard and smlt's article for 
Seven Con boats is also a bizarre nautical anomaly. <laughs> if, if if you haven't read that one, that's really funny and also very short. Oh, I have it. It's uh, a really unfortunately. The weeks of the contest, I started off really good reading lots of articles, and then my job just got fucking insane, which is yeah. part of the reason why we're so delayed here. I um, read I read a whole fucking ton of them, and I still didn't get through all of them. I think I ended up 131. I, I read there were I read a very large proportion, um, and I know I read everyone's who had one who read mine, <laughs> which yes. the, at the last few hours I'm like, you know what? At the very least, I have to be reciprocal. If you read mine, I'm going to read yours. <laughs> and I don't mean, like, read mine or I won't read yours. I mean, like, if I yeah. only have a few hours left, I should at least <laughs> return the favor that people yeah, do. Yeah, I unfortunately missed a bunch of... Oh, there's just so many there, of them. There, I mean, there are ones They're in the top long. ten I don't think I read. Um, uh, maybe I'm wrong. But it, it, I just, the last couple of weeks have been fucking intense for work. Like, last week was easily a 60-hour work week. <sighs> yep. Anyway, well, speaking uh, so, of work, it looks like we're done with the uh, SCPs here. Yeah, so now we're going to talk about some emails, and we got yeah. some real good ones here. Um, so, first of all, JTKC says, Looking forward to the episode on the Chaos Insurgency, I've generally thought of the Chaos Insurgency as a group that kind of shows up as the side villain, and mm-hmm. the group never really interested me as a standalone group. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing having... Only thing... Only... I think the the only I remember. Okay, I see what happened. Here. Uh, <laughs> it's like see, a bomb. It's like a bomb. Yeah, got this is with. this is a typo, and that's it's just meant. It just killed Gregor. Having the CI in the spotlight is the final part of the Ouroboros cycle, uh, and that's about it. But actually, that's not true because the children and uh, the twisted gears cactus uh, thing is also about the CI. Um, and that's about it, but I'm always uh, ready to prove them wrong once the episode comes out. Before I ask a few questions, I quickly I have to quickly keep Gregory in check because at 30-30... Oh, yeah, this is the article that he wrote. He made the um, mm. the video, uh, which we'll link in the show description. It was very yes, funny. Gregory um, will never do an episode. Wow, I really like the chaos insertions. <laughs> um, questions. How do most authors feel when random people DM them for crit? Uh, slash what would be the correct etiquette to be uh, if at all you know I can't speak for everybody um, but if you are doing something that is related to me I want to credit um, if it's just random stuff I'm so busy right now I'll probably turn you down but I have never been insulted or upset that someone has asked me for crit um, especially because I used to do crit all the time yeah I'm the same way um, with an additional caveat of I might forget I ever read your message and it's got nothing to do with like you. Yeah. It's because my brain is like that. I just, especially if it, if I read my wiki dot messages, when I wake up, they're gone by the time I had my pants on. I, I just don't. Yeah. Remember. Also, uh, so wiki dot messages are worthless. Don't send those. Yeah. If oh, possible, fuck, hunt us down. God, hunt us down on discord or Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and reach us there. Cause then we know that that happened. And nobody likes that blinking wiki dot message indicator it's the worst thing on earth i have two right now and i hate it oh i hate it i've I've had a few because for some reason right now people are sending me messages i can't imagine why (laughs) exactly all right so what's Uh, next but my my suggestion is go ahead and reach out uh for my second article i reached out to metaphysician uh thinking i was being super uh inappropriate and being like i'm just some new guy that wrote one article will you read my thing uh and he did 
and he liked it and gave me some advice uh, that led to me characterizing the sarcasm the way I did. So, you know, it's always worth a shot. Yeah, I mean, um, I sent me- I sent messages during CanRenCon to Cadaver Commander and Randerhouse, who are both friends of mine now. So, I mean, that was worthwhile as well. Yeah. Although I, Next I, later, I later found out Cadaver Commander was asking his friends, like, who the fuck is Harry is Blank? Which is a question we'll never quite have an answer to. <laughs> uh, he's a uh, Commonwealth. What, what was that one? I oh yeah, I'm a, a Quebec <laughs> Quebec parliamentarian. I shouted out Harry's Kofi on Twitter, and I used a picture of this actual <laughs> Canadian politician <laughs> from the fifties. Uh, anyway, what would you tell new writers that you wish you knew when you first started writing? Um. Don't write something because you think it's cool and it's going to get you cred. It won't. It isn't. Sorry. Write something that you like, that you're interested in. And that's the most important thing. But more importantly than that, fucking read more. Don't be in a hurry to write on the wiki or anywhere else. Uh, If, you know, no offense, if you're young, if you haven't had a lot of experience writing, go consume writing because that will give you a leg up it will it almost always will because at the very least you can learn techniques that other people have used for sure i would give a piece of advice that i actually give professionally for people asking about going to grad school at university and it's find somebody who writes things that you like to write and talk to them Mm. because you will eventually be wanting to get crit from people who write the kinds of things you are interested in so they can tell you if they are good or not um like asking random people at the beginning is good because you're a random person you can't find people who aren't random people but eventually try to find people who you share interests with who can look at your stuff and help you push your uh, ideas around and uh, get stuff get stuff written on the next level because Eventually, you've got to have a stable of people who you're, you trust to look at stuff. Although it's also useful to get people who are right off the street you've never heard before because every perspective counts. Yeah. Um, and also, circling back to the first question, this is the reason why I talk to metaphysician pretty much all the time, uh, fan impulse pretty much all the time, yeah. and Dave Yuvul, the three authors I think I care about. Oh, and fucking Ip, who, you know, these people are like not only a huge inspiration for me on the wiki, but also like now are friends. Absolutely. Uh, which is fucking incredible. And that will never happen if you don't ever try. But if you just don't just show up and pester someone, be cognizant of the fact that people are busy. Um, yeah, you're, you're but, making a request on their time and you keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, also, Davey Fool just put out a double one proposal. That's absolutely sure did. fucking insane. And I love it. So it's incredible. That. And he is the ballsiest motherfucker ever. Oh, so the day after seven con, day after seven con, he releases a nonsensical, absurd, epic, gigantic fucking thing. it's so good go read it it's just literally i just finished reading it before we came started recording and I, all i can say is what the fuck just happened <laughs> it's the most dave you fool article i've ever seen it's, so, it's good. so good it's fucking great anyway uh last question would you never would you rather never eat spicy food or sweet food ever again personally i like curry too much so i'd have to cut out sweet food cut out sweet food um i can't eat very spicy food because it makes me very ill which sucks because I love spicy food. Um, so this answer is very easy for me. I guess I that have is to cut out spicy. Food. It's also Although, easy for me. <laughs> I do still make curry. I just have to be careful which ones I make. Because ah. I make a lot of Japanese curry, which you can get mild and is delicious, but uh, is not spicy. Right. It can be spicy, but it doesn't have to be. Oh, I see. Culinary tips with curry. your curry curry. 
Oh, actually, I cook all the time. Uh, but whatever. Uh, anyway, cheers, guys, and congrats on the 7K entries. I loved both of yours a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. I love them both uh, a lot, too. <laughs> uh, do you want to read this one from Gizma? Yes. Greetings from Gizma. That's how they always start, isn't it? <laughs> it Let is, me say yes. it outright. I don't care much for the chaos insurgency. Ooh, hot take. I see them as mostly just generic bad guys with guns who also use anomalies sometimes. Yeah. In my opinion, Sapphire does the same job, but with a clear and rather extreme ideology that makes them more interesting instead of... What is the CI's deal, actually? I guess I'll know more by the time you read out this email. Nope. I don't dislike them, though. Well, we differ on that. In fact, they (laughs) appear in some articles that I do like. Oh, fuck. Uh, And among (laughs) those is The Loser. Yeah. I love the role they play in that one. Buffoons getting wrecked. Just, I'm going to interrupt the email just to interject. The article was going to be about luck going haywire, probability going nuts, actual chaos reigning on the earth, and I thought it would be hilarious if the chaos insurgency, like anarchists imagining anarchy, got actual chaos and just (laughs) could not fucking handle it. So that was pretty much why that happened. Anyway, great article, Weddle Sweep. Weddlecon. Incorrect. Weddlecon. 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 That's the yeah. correct. But that's the other beautiful thing about it is what a loser I am. Um, nobody picked up my term for it. They all picked up I Lord's. Know. <laughs> I know. Lord Zunu advertising me just up the wazoo. Also, Gesma as well. With all those excellent memes. Anyway, I'm interrupting Gesma to talk about Gesma. I wonder what a reverse chaos insurgency would be like. Uh, what the, like... Keep breathing. The, the order overseers? Some sort of order committee. Shit, it was right in the next sentence. Some sort of yep. order committee. Maybe on a global scale. Oh, I see what you did there. Wait a minute. <laughs> yep. Good email, Gazma. Good email. Yep. Uh, this next email is from Quarry, who is also surprised. sent an article pretty much every time. Uh, this episode is going to be interesting to say the least. The Chaos Insurgency is one of the original GOIs with the most serious one feel, even nowadays serving mostly as Diabolus Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Nice. With little character or pur- porpoise. Little character or porpoise. Well, I think we just <laughs> There's no porpoise. That. We, that's not true. We just rebel. I think porpoise. we just disproved that. <laughs> In the... I'm sorry, Gil. Quarry, I'm, I know that was probably a typo. I'm sorry, Gil. In the rare occasions that they appear nowadays. That's not to say that they aren't good interpretations of the of Goy. Goy. Oh, it's a great thing to say to Gregorian anyway. <laughs> you know, Gregorian, uh, sometimes Goys are okay. Not often, but sometimes. You're all right. I appreciate uh, it. King Pogan's proposal and Ouroboros oh, come to mind. <laughs> you said it. Not oh, to the article, just like I never say it right. Uh, so I'm curious uh, about what articles Harry has brought up. I'm 100% sure the loser is going to be mentioned. Nope. nope. I uh, was going to, and then I thought I would be classy. Yeah. Besides, by the way, the best joke in The Loser was about how Kismet device looked like CS CMS Mulan detector of the Large Hadron Collider. Yeah, that's what it was a picture of, so... <laughs> Here be questions for real, unlike last time. Mm. Um, last time you did uh, a really great question about Warhammer 40k, so you can keep on doing that. Thanks. Mm. <laughs> can we receive some sweet lore of the CI in the Encore 43 canon? Their origins, motivations, methods, extraordinary... Ex- etc yeah well as we've kind of covered here my <laughs> headcanon of the ci is basically what you see on the hub plus that extra tail that we talked about at the beginning um because the hornby stuff because i really enjoy that um i on guard for three matches pretty much every basic sense of the canon in the scp uh but i will be talking about some motivations for their behavior and also their future in on guard four three because they are a chaos cult and i have a use for chaos cults going forward because i have a chaos cult too 
and I will be smushing them together, which is part of the reason why I stomped so hard on the CI and the loser, so stay tuned. Uh, next question. Favorite minor GOIs, and by which I mean groups of interest, not goys, <laughs> that haven't ever gotten much attention? The ones that haven't gotten much attention that I like. Hmm. I don't know. I, this is a dumb answer, but recently Wondertainment hasn't gotten a lot of attention, and I really like the uh, the dark stuff and Nicolini uh, variety of Wondertainment. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna say Wondertainment because I didn't think to read this question ahead of time. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say even though I think that there are some pretty cool articles involving it back in the day, I would say that there hasn't been anything in like solid five years that uh, did a good job with the Church of the Second Hydoth, uh, which I yeah, always yeah, liked that's a true. fuck ton. Church of the Second Hytoth is like Eldritch Horror if they were good guys, sort of. <laughs> yes. And I fucking love that so much. And it, and That's just saying point. it out loud means that, man, I should really fucking sit down and read all those and then write something for it. Anyway. <clears throat> so that's my answer. If applicable, do you guys have any international GOIs that can be considered one of your favorites? Yeah, I'm so, um, I'm so much better like, equipped for this. <laughs> you are, but I really like the Serpent's Hand um, mm. offshoot in Korea. Yes, that was cool. Which I forget their name. We talked uh, about it during, they, during the episode. Yeah, uh, and I've gone on to read some of their things, just translated through Google, unfortunately. Um, but uh, Korean and they also really have, well, actually, so that's... Yeah, it does. Um, but I also just think their icon, their logo is even better than the traditional Serpent's Hand logo. <laughs> it still yeah, uses the cool. snake thing, but uh, it's so good looking. Uh, also, no, congrats to you both for your works and positions in Seven Con. What the fuck, man? I don't get to answer the question. Yeah, I guess you do. But I'm also gonna say the Korean branch because I, I I actually used this once the Beyond Entropy, which is this really cool the biological metaphor based environmental terrorist organization, which is something we don't have on EN. It's kind of like the Ra's Al Ghul group of interest. So they're very cool. So that's my answer. Anyway, go back to congratulating us. Uh, we're both great. All right. Quaker Button Moose. No. Quaker Button Nose. Want to read this one? Moose. He says Quaker Button Moose. Yes. Yes. This one's block formatted differently from I the know. others. That's bizarre. Yeah. Okay. I've been listening to Simply Creative People for a while now, but this is my first email to the show. Well, thank you for... Long time listener. First time caller. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to suggest the Chow's Insurgency as a topic before this episode was announced. Okay. I just realized I hadn't made the Chow's Insurgency joke this whole time, so I had to make it. Okay. I'd never heard of the engine before I read SCP-7000. Congrats to Harry, by the way. Thank you. Some people in the Discovering SCP Discord said they'd only recently learned who the engineer is, and one even said he assumed he was created for 7000 before looking at the tags. Yeah, when the hell did the engineer get a tag? That seems to be recent. Um, because they've been going nuts supplying all kinds of stuff for tags. My first SCP just got a tag. It's bizarre. Anyway, I only know who he is because I read his entry on the character dossier page. Yeah, about a month ago. I think a lot of people in the community are missing key information like this about the CI, which is exactly the kind of problem this podcast is trying to fix. That's right. We're no. just here to raise awareness really. of the chaos insurgency. <laughs> I'm, glad you sucks. Did, I'm glad you didn't want recommendations because I barely have any. They then suggest I Bury the Sun by Tanhony, which we used uh, because it's cool like everything he writes. Also sure. love 4566, The Mark of Xerox by Chewbacca, which you already covered that in another episode. King we sure did. King Pogan's proposal was all right, I guess. I ended up skimming most of it. Terrible thing to say. I tried to read a CI format once, but I couldn't get through it. Totally That's just accurate. accurate. Normal thing to say. 
we both leapt to accurate, even though it's not like grammatically the right word. <laughs> Just amazing. like the most objectively true statement anyone could make. Brains are perfectly in sync. I can't think of a good sign off, and I want to go to bed. Good night. <laughs> so I'd read that like it was a sign off. Uh, I, I still think that's pretty funny. All right. Hello, Crocat here. Uh, this Actually, this why don't you Crocat. read this one? Because I'm going to read the one from Real Surreal, sir. So you, you okay. read this one. Crocat. This is from Crocat, everybody. And they say, Hello, Crocat here. Plot twist. The CIR. An interesting thing. Disagree. I think someone once said that, whereas most groups of interest eventually developed themselves more and became more deep slash complex, the chaos insurgency never quite did that. And I was correct. Totally, totally correct. Well, they have been developed somewhat over the years, like with their command structure, their GOI format, the engine, but not to the extent that other groups have. Very rarely will you meet someone whose favorite GOI is the CI. Yeah. Oh, and interrupting, if someone says their favorite GOI is the CI, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not really going to take much else they say seriously. Yeah, just go back and think about your decisions mm. that have led you to this point in your life. You need some reflection. Yes. <laughs> that said, they do have a certain appeal. A disorderly paramilitary organization that act as bad guys of the setting with an interesting aesthetic slash vibe to boot. And while it's hard to write about them as a central focus to the story, they work very well as plot devices and can be a handy narrative tool. One of my favorite GOI formats, and I agree with this, by the way, is actually a CI one called Step Compilation 63-141-65-030. They have such snappy, catchy titles. By Marcus L. Crassus. Side note, more of these formats really need alternative titles. Yeah. Other side note, Marcus L. Crassus is wildly underrated. Absolutely. And actually, Crassus, I think, has written more than one of these Chaos Insurgency formats, and they're good. If I was to include one, I would have included the Crassus ones. Um, It's such an engaging story, and from what I remember, it takes good advantage of the format. I agree. And I haven't checked the number because the number is totally not indicative, but it's probably the one I was thinking of. Good choice. Looking forward to the episode, and I hope you guys have a good night. Well, we talked about the Chaos Insurgency, so... Well, I got an adult beverage, so it's fine. That's right, and I got a joke about it, so we're all good. Uh, and this last one, Real Surreal Sir. So first, congrats to Mr. 7000. Yeah. Obviously, the CI plays a not insignificant part in The Loser, reprising their not uncommon role as kind of the William Weddle <laughs> GOIs, one, me, might say. Uh, now, personally, they always seemed like a rare, underexplained SCP group. Yep. As if yep. the simplicity and over-the-top antagonism towards the Foundation holds some powerful mystique worth preserving by not going into what the hell they're doing anything but doing anything that they're doing. Maybe I'm wrong, I just haven't come across the hypothetical detailed background lore. We did cover it. Um, but either way, it's hard not to get a general sense that they aren't exactly the most popular holdover from the early wiki. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, how did Harry finally bully you into agreeing to this, Gregory? <laughs> He told me in a week in which I had no spare time, I will handle this one. <laughs> I said I would I would find the articles all by myself, which he usually does. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. And I went, okay, great. I'll do it. <laughs> and then it took me twice as long as it should have. Yeah. Go did. team. But even once you were ready, I was so burned out after last week that I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. I don't know. And then when he was ready, I wasn't ready because then I was That's burned right. out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. But today um, we got our periods in sync, so we're good. That's right. Uh, so yeah so uh, the email if you guys want to send an email to us uh, and we're hopefully going to do the episode on 7k entries uh, not popular ones 
um, next week, hopefully, with Plague PGP, because we already talked about this a couple weeks of the contest. Yeah. Uh, and it's a great idea for a content or for an episode, and, and there's a lot of art- articles that I really a want to dig into more myself, and b uh, that just deserve uh, attention. Absolutely. Uh, spoilers. Uh, it's a bad ideas article is 100% one of the ones I'm going to talk about because I think it's fucking brilliant. This hobby's article is fucking amazing. And I'm so glad you were like, you should read this one. And then I went and read it. And I was like, holy shit. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fucking it's amazing. It's so good. It's bad. just unbelievably underrated. And there's quite a few others that are unbelievably underrated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the best imposter challenge of Metaphysician I've read in That's a long, what I was thinking, time. yeah. I think yeah, I, I even basically so said good. as much, yeah. Yeah, um, there's a couple of metaphysician-ish articles. Balthazar's on well is also very. Oh yeah, oh god, yeah. This was, I I love Balthazar Balthazar's stuff, uh, but I found that this one was kind of like a new take for him. Yeah, it was uh, very, maybe, it was very maybe, different. It was very different. I loved from it. The I loved it so article. much. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be talking uh, lots about how many of these articles. Yeah, we enjoyed. I'm sure we'll be talking about the unwell as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you want to shout out some of your favorite 7Ks or just ask us questions about, uh, you know, who the coolest uh, characters in Warhammer 40K are, um, then uh, <laughs> reach out at simplycreativepeople uh, at gmail.com. My, uh, the show's Twitter is S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T Simcreate. Um, mm. My sh- Twitter is at Gregory Carpet. At Harry Black S-C-P. Uh, and you can uh, support the show at our show page on a- Anchor. Uh, what is it? Uh, let's see. <laughs> I'm just going to look. Uh, how, right do those wor- how do those words combine? Anchor.spotify. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not Spotify. Um, it is anchor.fm slash simply dash creative dash people. Oh, that's um, easy to remember. Yeah. Um, and there's a support button there, or uh, you can use it to share uh, to some of your friends. Uh, it, you know, it, it goes a long way to spreading the word and, and, and getting us a little more resources to do something better. I would have never been able to buy a new microphone or soundproofing stuff. Harry would have been out of Cokes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Gregory's been passing this along to me. He's endlessly yeah. generous. Uh, well, I have a job. Now, well, there so should be an end to it as well, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. So, yeah, you know, any anything you can give is totally uh, appreciated. But even if not, uh, feel free to uh, please spread it around and let yes. people know. Uh, because there's lots of people out there that have lots of questions about SCP that I think might like this show. There's lots of people who are just sitting around doing absolutely fuck all nothing. And you should be pouring Gregory and I into their ears because that's what being a friend is. That's correct. Um Anyway, so uh, thank you for everyone that said nice stuff about both of our uh, 7Ks. Uh, this contest was hell. Um, honestly, it was just hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was uh, a month all working over. It just killed me. I just destroyed, destroyed yep. my my. Notes. I don't even know how I did this, honestly, because mine wasn't very long, but um, all that video editing took oh, the effort longer, a long, yeah. long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, go check out the loser, which is SCP seven thousand, and check out Misfortune Gorge, which is SCP seven zero zero seven, which I am super mm. psyched about. That slot. That's a great number. Yeah, it is. It's great. All right. Uh, So thank you very much, and uh, goodbye. And um, I can't think of a good sign-off, and I want to go to bed. Good night.